Hey guys, what's up? This is Mateus Calera, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Sight. So excited. Oh boy. I was like so I wasn't I always had a feeling that eventually it would happen, but when we got the news that it, it actually is more of a possibility than that it was like back in October when we were kicking around the idea and, and did the invite. Because we've invited other people. And they're just like, yeah, that's cool, kids. Good, good luck with that. And, and we haven't heard from them, but... Um, a priest! <laughs> <laughs> uh, who you might hear about later, but still. It's... About it's uh, so now, alone. we have two image creators under our belt. I'm guessing we could... Should we decide to do so? If we made... A well, no, no, image founders. As I said. No, you, said you said creators. Oh, did I? Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Should should we decide to, to, to go for the, the brass ring and try and get as many as we can? I would think we would get four, possibly five of the original creators. There's one that we would never, ever get in a, in a, in a million. Yeah, yeah, we'll never yeah. get him. Agreed. Yeah. Well, well you know... No, you know, we could get Jim Lee if we cheated and spoke to him for like 15 minutes recording at a con. Mm-hmm. You could probably but no. Yes, yeah, sit, uh, sit down in the fourth chair and have a long-form chat with yeah. us. I agree. He'll, he'll never do it. Yeah. Valentino would be fairly easy. I would love to mm-hmm. talk to Valentino. Yeah. If we wanted to, we could get Todd. <laughs> I think we could. I think we could. I, oh, I don't know. And, and I didn't press the issue, but I wanted to ask our guest what's up with Todd, but you know, I, I don't know what the relationship is, so I didn't, but I need to know it's all, that this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 540. Get down with your bad self. And I am Vince B. <laughs> you are. Why are you laughing? Uh, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I am, uh, I'm a dick. I'm David A. Price. <laughs> Indeed, indeed you are. And uh, of course, I just got done ransacking Asgardia because I am Mangog. Oh, I love conceptual continuity. You are not Mangog. You are the kind of cute Jason Wood. Wood. I have my moments. You do. You're all right. It's all right, it's all right. And what you don't know, but you will soon know, is that we have a guest this episode. A fairly long two-hour interview with none other step back now are you sitting down eric larson my man well, if anybody was doing any detective work as we were running down image creators they, they, they probably would have pieced it together yeah but some people don't like the detective stuff mm-hmm. you know it's true too much connecting the dots no more of an action comics kind of guy and you know who connects the dots for you so you don't have to do it who that? Discount, the Merklers. The Merklers, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get all the books that you want and all the other stuff from the previews catalogs, multiple, as we've seen this month, for a fraction, a mere pittance 
of the retail price. The list of specials, it be up and it is awesome. I had a very difficult time staying within my $200 budget this month. Tons of dorms. But I did it. Um, from IDW, it's big doings in the Transformers universe. It's all coming to an end. A crashing an end, end. An end? An end. I said, yeah, I screwed up. An end? An end with the big daddy, the head honcho, the big bad of the Transformers universe. Unicron is coming. And you can get Transformers Unicron number one of six, not for four ninety nine. I'm guessing that each issue of the six issue miniseries is four ninety nine. Those motherfuckers. I know. You can get it written by James Roberts, art by Alex Milney, he's awesome, for half the cover price, two dollars and forty nine cents. From DC, it is the king, undisputed king. Of the licensed character shared universe crossover, Freddie Williams II is drawing Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, written by James Tinian IV. This is a hardcover, collects uh, issues 1 to 6 of the sequel miniseries. Twenty-four ninety-nine. is what they're asking. But that's not what you're given, because you will get it for... Twelve dollars and forty nine cents. Yeah, yep. that's half off. And uh, last but certainly not least, the um, the one thing in this previews catalog that immediately pulled the cap off the sharpie, and I circled it with much vigor because the cover image spoke to me in in cosmic tongues. It is written by Donny Cates. Art by Dylan Burnett. Exploding from the pages of Thanos, Frank Castle was the Punisher. A deal with the devil made him Ghost Rider. A deal with Galactus made him Cosmic. A deal with Thanos. A lot of deals making here. A deal with Thanos made him um, dead. Not to worry. He's coming back, and he's got a plan to make the universe a better place that's going to lead him into an even crazier adventure than he's ever been in. Join the hot new comic and cosmic writer, Donny Cates. And as he pushes his... Wow, this is dirty. As he pushes his wildest Mm -hmm. creation past the breaking point. $3.99. Nope. Not what you're going to pay. $1.99. $1.99. DCBService.com. Do not mind late orders or order additions. And you know the drill. You get your book all shipped up and wrapped and securely packed and ding-dong. Yeah. Do it. Get all this stuff. What are you drinking? What are you drinking? Um, I kind of let myself down. I had a Casey Yingling in the... Uh, garage for a couple months so i'm drinking old yingling traditional lager whatever it is a amazing beer it is but mm-hmm. yeah i know i didn't I buy know. it that, that, that's I, continuity with the guest also yeah so. i didn't buy it true, true. somebody brought it mm-hmm. and so you know i don't want to let it go to waste it is a tasty mm-hmm. beer it's just that yeah cut the shit all right, go ahead, justify it. What are you drinking, Jason? Uh, well, I'm not a sellout, so uh, <laughs> I'm drinking Pacifico. 
build the wall. <sighs> yeah, see, I'm right. I'm supporting the other side of the wall. Yeah, you know, I when did when did leftist uh, tendencies become a cancer? Like it's le- it's leaching into our podcast. It's not leaching. It's always been there. We just never had a reason to talk about it. True. Whatever. <sighs> well, in in honor of uh, this evening's guest, I um, I enjoyed the cab um, a few weeks ago. This is the other bottle I bought that evening. This is the Walking Dead Blood Red Blend. Uh, from 2015 and it is um it's quite tasty i haven't uh, checked to see the the label to see how it comes alive um this one is uh looks like it's carl facing down a bunch of walkers heading towards him at least the, the drawing is uh is of coral but the um yeah i haven't i haven't seen what the uh the animation is yet Nice. Mm. Listen to Eric Larson because it's amazing. The man brings it. He's the people. Oh, does he ever? Yeah. We'll be back as usual. Go, go have fun with Eric, and then we'll talk to you at the end. All right, it's time to scratch something off the bucket list. We have in attendance tonight one of sequential arts goats. Yep, that's right, the greatest of all time. Chances are you cannot name a Marvel character that this man has not written and or drawn at some time. He had an amazing run on a Spider-Man book back in the day. Nova, Thor, Defenders, Fantastic Four, you name it, he has drawn it and or written it. Um, But as if that weren't enough, he was one of the men instrumental in changing the face of modern comics. He and his image compatriots jumped ship and started their own company, and the rest is history. He is the proud father of the Savage Dragon, one of my all-time favorite. I'm not going to put words in the other guy's mouths, but we are pleased, tickled pink, to have Eric Larson with us this week. Aww. (laughs) Aww. (laughs) (laughs) This is definitely an honor. How you feeling tonight? I'm all right. All right. I just sent an issue out. So it's just like today, sent an issue out. And it's always this frantic, last minute craziness as it all comes together. Uh, so this is the issue where Maxine comes back to life. It was like, oh, we got her back. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. <laughs> well, while we're on the subject, I mean, let's let's keep it in the zone there. The the last issue of Savage Dragon that that I had received, which is two thirty three, uh-huh. we lost a very important supporting character in Maxine. And had that decision to do that been brewing for some time, or was it in keeping with the 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 Savage Dragon status quo, where anything can happen? You just decided one day, you know what? Maxine's gone. It would serve the book well if I got rid of this character. Like, how did that decision arise? Uh, all decisions. I mean, it's it's all thinking. Uh, it's all thinking long term. Usually, when you're sitting there writing this stuff, when I'm sitting there writing this stuff, 
I have kind of two, you, you come to these forks in the road and it's like, all right, well, this, this fork leads to this, this potential, this potential, that potential, this other fork leads to the, again, you know, you just make a list of, all right, what do I want to do here? Do I want to tell, uh, Malcolm with four kids dating and trying to put his life back together stories, or do I want to go and tell happily married stories and, and see where things go with that. And you just weigh the different possibilities of the different stuff and then go, and then you got to make a call. And then each decision you make kind of leads to another bunch of decisions that you need to make. And that's really how the, the, book is put together and a lot of it is uh setting people up to think one thing's going to happen and then pulling the rug out from under them and a whole bunch of different things that 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 go into making this and and yeah as as you've seen nobody is safe (laughs) it's true (laughs) including the title character it's right right so i mean and and a lot of it is 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 that is making it so that so that it becomes this book where you go, I don't know what to well, I don't know what's real anymore. Which way is up? <laughs> is there a um, do you have road marks for yourself where you say, okay, by issue two fifty, I want this to be the status quo, and then you work your way organically to that resolution? Or um, no, mm. I don't. And I'll tell you, and, and the reason I don't is because it often I find that when I make a decision that it affects everything else down the road. And so it's hard to make kind of long-term plans other than real vague long-term plans. Mostly what I've got is, is not so much uh, plans as it is uh, characters having their own wishes, desires, motivations, and goals. So they're sitting there going, well, I want to be an algebra teacher, you know, and it's like, all right, well, it's this character, they, they have that as their goal. How are they going to get to that goal? And do they get to that goal? Because there's always somebody who's like, I want to play the violin, and then it's like, yeah, that never materialized. You know, you took a bunch of lessons, the teacher was – horrendous and you gave up in frustration and that was the end of that that's how it goes with a lot of people and i what i try and do is to to do the book and set it up in a way that it just flows more naturally mm-hmm. in terms of well my life worked like this i i made plans and then all this other stuff got in the way and now you know i'm doing this thing now I'm living here. Now and, and and there are things that that do constantly get get tossed in your in your way. You know, where suddenly you're sitting there going, "Oh, well, I expected my kid was going to take four years to finish high school, and it took him five. Or I was expecting this kid to go to college, and he didn't. And I was expecting this to happen, and it didn't. And I was I was going here, and then." You know, people get sick and people move and things change in your life and you just have to roll with the punches as best you can. So basically my book is rolling with the punches in a, in sort of a big grand scheme. 
how do I do that? And then it's setting things up for myself. And, you know, and a lot of it is keeping, keeping the readers surprised. And I think it's easy enough to do that when you're constantly being surprised as a creator. Yeah. You know, where you don't necessarily have a direction for where you want to go. It's like, all right, I, I'm thinking at some point, the one, at least one of the kids are going to be the lead character in, in this book. And it's like, okay, well, that's a long time from now. They're not yet three at this point. So that's going to take you a while to, to get there. What happens in the interim? You know, where are things going from here and how are, how are things going to turn out? All right. Aside from, <laughs> from your art, which I think is, that was the most attractive thing initially to me about Savage Dragon. Like, after your Spider-Man run, I'm following this guy wherever he goes, image, kaboom, and you you started the dragon. I'm like, okay, I'm in. But the thing that most attracts me or entertains me or just keeps me reading is the the perpetual change of the book. Yeah, I mean, and that's a hard. It, it's a double-edged sword because when when people you know we're talking our favorite books and we're throwing titles out and it's like oh yeah, Savage Dragon's amazing. You should read it. Oh really? What's it about? And then you're like, okay, what's it? Um, <laughs> you try and encapsulate it's it. Hard, it's a hard sentence to toss at people and go, well, it's about this, right? But I mean, really, it's it's superhero comics played out in real time. Where, you know, I think every person I've ever talked to a, a, in, in regard to Marvel or DC Comics, eventually they get to the point where, they're, where they go, yeah, I just lost interest. Because it's just kind of the same thing over and over again. And, or they, they realize at some point, ah, Superman's eternally 29 years old, and I just turned 30. I'm older <laughs> than Superman. How come... How come these characters don't grow up like I grow up? And everybody wants, basically, when they catch up with the superheroes, for those superheroes to start going, okay, well, I'm I'm sticking with this guy. I'm keeping pace with this reader. They're not thinking, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if Peter Parker were 70? That would be so cool if he were 70 years old. <laughs> because he would be in his <laughs> 70s if he started aging right out of the gate and kept pace with where we're at, you know? It's like Spider-Man came out before I was born. I'm 55 years old at this point. And, you know, even if he was 15 years old when he started, that's that's old. That's seven years old. You know, nobody wants to read about 70-year-old Peter Parker. And the big problem that, that Marvel and DC have is that nobody's going to be sitting there going, I'm going to create the next huge commercial property that these guys can own and run with forever. So they don't got somebody who's going to create the next quote-unquote Spider-Man. So they can't kill off their Spider-Man, and they can't really change and alter these characters permanently on a long-time basis. Whereas I can I'm going to be creating new villains forever. I'm going to be creating new heroes forever. And I'm going to be playing around with this stuff for a long, long time. And I can count on myself to come up with that stuff. Right. Well, at least at Marvel, they've circumvented that problem a little bit by mashing up existing characters now. 
So you'll get yeah. a, you'll get a Gwen Stacy and a Deadpool mixed <laughs> together, or you know, yeah. it's a solution, albeit temporary. But yeah, I we, yeah. I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, they they have fun, and I certainly think that there's a, a place for characters that don't grow and change and get altered over time. I've had a, a, a great time working on characters like that. Uh, it, but it's a different set of rules and different expectations. And, and when I'm doing this book, there are all kinds of pitfalls to, to doing things the way I'm doing things. You know, I've got to cover basically a month's worth of events in a single comic book. So it's like, I got 20 pages to cover 30 days. Do do the math. There's not, you got to end up skipping an awful lot of stuff in order to make this work in any way. You know, it's like right now, like I said, Malcolm's kids are three and we haven't really seen them go, go through, go through a lot of aging stuff just because there hasn't been that many pages that I can deal with. So suddenly they're, they're talking, but we really didn't get to see them a lot when they weren't talking. And it's like there was some space there, but can't it can't be about them, and it can't be about them growing up and seeing it there every minute because there's all this other stuff that's going on in the book too. Right. So, with the with the appearance of each new child, I kept thinking to myself, "This is not going to end well." <laughs> <laughs> but it might. I mean, maybe it'll be like, "Hey, we're we're the Fantastic Four, except we're all dragon guys, and we're all doing doing good stuff." That could you be know, fun, yeah. Most, most of us don't have kids that grow up to be villains, so there's no reason to expect that one of these kids will just be like, well, I guess I'll be evil. <laughs> Why not? Uh, yeah. Nothing's on TV. <laughs> one of the things uh, we have to thank you for, as far as Savage Dragon goes, is the letters page. You're, you're one of the last bastions of the old school letter column. Yeah, that's been fun. It's been fun to have, have it. I'm happy that, that people are still writing in at this point. Um, yeah, like I said, the new issue just went out with a with a whopping three-page letter column, and it's like, that's you don't even get a single page in, in most comics at this that's point. True. Right, but it, it adds immeasurably to the, the enjoyment of the book because you're throwing an extra half hour at someone for the same yeah. amount of money, you know? Yeah, 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 I like that. I like that it's a, a mini time capsule that's adhered to the comic. Because as great as it is being on uh, social media and being able to talk with creators directly, those comments kind of disappear into the ether as as time goes by. And we can't really look at an, a, a comic book from a couple years back and go, well, what what did everybody else think about that issue at that time because we have no idea we, the, all those message boards have been closed up or it's, you really have to go searching for any kind of anything in terms of those kinds of comments whereas it's nice to be able to flip open a comic book and there it is here's what people were feeling at the time here's what people were thinking at the time yep. and there Eric, when you were um, when you were coming up reading reading comics, were you uh, were you someone that wrote letters yourself? 
mean, I did write. Uh, I did write letters. Not a lot of them. I had one printed in an issue of The Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. uh, three twenty-five. Okay. <laughs> Were you praising or or or, or criticizing? It's even worse. <laughs> two twenty-five. Okay, there we go. Oh, Were you praising or criticizing? Um, I was praising, but I'm, I remember seeing the letter in print and going, who's this idiot? (laughs) And then, and I was like, Oh, that's me. (laughs) Oops. Um, but it's, but it's funny. I was mostly just to ask, I was, I was a a very young kid just kind of asking, Hey, when's all this great stuff coming out? I want to buy everything. And it gave them a chance to plug all their stuff because it was like, you like Hulk treasury editions and pocketbooks? Yeah, we got that coming your way, kid. And I'm like, all right. So I was I was perfect for them. I just set up everything they wanted to say. Mm-hmm. So today is May 9th. You said you just sent an issue out. And and what is so what's your schedule like now? So are, are you gonna take a couple of days off for working on the next one? Or no, do you I'm work on already? Okay. All right. So so, so you you may work on issues or at well as soon as I'm done with one, the next issue starts. It's not there's no time no break. No vacation. Okay. There's no rest. Um, so well, we just, appreciate that. I <laughs> well it's just the it's just the reality of this this situation. It's like okay, you gotta get on the next one. Um, and there's and you're always kind of back of your brain thinking like what's in this next one um and the covers are drawn way ahead of time so you know a lot of times uh, i have no idea (laughs) and i'll just be i'll just draw a cover with him fighting some dude and then the next month comes around go i gotta decide what this guy's all about i put on that cover that's great though i love that organic approach (laughs) it's it's kind of fun for sure. Now, how did you juggle that schedule when you were working with Todd on uh, Spawn? Um, I just, I just alternate. I would get, I would just do one issue and then do an issue for him. The stuff I was doing on that book that Todd was working on went a lot faster than Savage Dragon does. It it wasn't for a lack of detail. I mean, that stuff was amazing. <laughs> Well, what I was doing on that that I wasn't is it was on Savage Dragon. I I sit and I I'll ink with the proper inking tools. When I was working with Todd, I was just inking everything with a Pentel rolling writer, and so it 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 was it's a dead line with no variation in line width. And then I would send it to Todd, and then Todd would noodle on top of it and add some blacks and and add some thick and thin to some of the line work that I was giving him. And then, but it just made it that much quicker in terms of just producing the books. Now, how did that partnership come about? Was, um, cause I'm a huge spawn fan as well. Um, and when I heard you were coming on the book, I was very pleased <laughs> All but, about it. <laughs> no, I was, uh, I was very pleased, but on the flip side, I was thinking, all right, you have a very large ego in Todd. 
and and I've talked yeah. to you many times, and you know you you you're you're assured, right? So when you get these two powerhouses on one book, what's going to happen? How long is this going to last? But I mean, not that long. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but you were on it for a nice stretch. Um, but what was, was the impetus was for that? Huge, it was not a huge run, though. It was nine issues, I think. That's a nine great. It was a great run. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, but like, did, did did Todd come to you and say, "Hey, buddy, I'm at a loss. I need somebody on the book," or was it um, a natural thing? Like, both of you came up with it. Like, how did it come about? Uh, he called me, and I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember exactly where it, where that came about and how it it all came together. But he did call me initially. I, I think he just wanted me to fill in for a little bit while he was looking for somebody else or something like that. And and we just tried it out for a while. I, I think it was, uh, I, I really don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. A lot of this stuff, once it's, once I'm done with it, I just jettison all information. Right. So, <laughs> which is, it's just not necessarily a good way of, of living one's life. But it, it really is like, you know, people were asking, well, what, what were your plans for Nova? And it's like, God, just <laughs> it's just as soon as I was done with it, I was I was done. And I don't even and I just divorce myself from books, too. When I'm when I'm done with them, I'm like, I don't I'm not reading them anymore. I'm not buying them anymore. I'm not they, they, they're no longer part of my life. It's like a, it's like a divorce with no kids. So you know? I, I I shouldn't ask you about the Jim Lee issue of Savage Dragon from way back when. Um, that was a simpler process where we all just swapped books. Yeah. But you did go back and do your own number thirteen. Yep. Yeah, I just wanted to have my run intact. It wasn't nice. any no it wasn't it was, anything I that you know. No slight on Jim. It wasn't like oh I hate this issue. <laughs> what I hated was having my run broken up because sure. I wanted to have. A, a bunch of issues in a row and it's like god damn it this thing's gonna bug me forever if i don't yep. do something about this but and so, you're the well, only you're the only image founder that actually stuck with his character i mean I, that was just gonna make that point yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, but i don't i don't fault those guys i mean they they we don't necessarily all have the same aspirations and all this stuff you know it's like if you're sitting there going i want to be bob kane and have a bunch of people work on my book and have it have this book live without me that that's a that's a different kind of thing than i just want to do this same stupid thing forever <laughs> so you know i don't i can't i can't fault a guy for for wanting to move on it's 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 pretty unusual for anybody to be on anything for even a few years much less 26 mm-hmm. it the uh the, um since you were talking about the, the creative process with the book and, and vague ideas of where you want the characters to go or where they tell you they're going. But how what's the relationship with you and your editor, Gavin? Like, does he just look – is he a proofreader or does he – is he keeping continuity in check? Do you bounce ideas off him? I, I, uh, I, there's a little bit of – mostly I just tell him what I'm doing. And, okay. <laughs> and he goes, all right. You know, if, if, I'm, if I'm sitting there going, when was the last time that – this character appeared. He'll know. Um, 
he's he's more of a continuity cop than than an editor necessarily and he's and he certainly has no ability to say no sure you know he's he's a little bit of a sounding board um just you know whatever anything comes up you know it's like the the next issue i started without even talking to him (laughs) so it's like i'm i'm already drawing on on 235 right now and and i haven't really we haven't really talked yet about it but it's and and, you know when it comes around it'll it'll just kind of be well what needs to be addressed from the previous issue what am i setting up for future issues a lot of it is is just setting up things to to come down the road you know there's an awful lot of just planting trees so that you know later on i can see what grows and what didn't and where things go you know whenever you set anything up it's then then you've got something you can play off of down the road and there just ends up being an awful lot of that over the over time so so eric if i may when 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 you guys uh started image i mean that i feel like that story has been Told quite often, I know we've talked about it on the show a lot, so I think people kind of know that that part of your career arc and, and the impetus for that and a lot of the anecdotes that went into the the, the faithful decision you all made to, to go ahead and, and, and set about Image. But um, one thing I, I don't know that um, a lot of our listeners know is more of the sort of the impetus of your origin story in terms of, um, you know, were you always, like from day one, were you interested in being an illustrator and, and in particular comics? I mean, I, you know, again, I think we all, we all knew at first in Marvel, but how did you get to Marvel? I mean, what was the, what was the sort of the path there? Um, I always wanted to do comics. Uh, and, and, uh, I had started drawing my own comics for my own entertainment when I was a real little kid, uh, like third grade or something third or fourth grade. So I was, I was drawing real early and just creating characters real early. And then, um, I just drew, drew and drew for, for years all through high school, creating all sorts of different characters all through high school. And then, uh, when I was 19, I drew up a, uh, a, a dragon story, which ended up, I actually reprinted it and colored it for the first time in, in Michi 225. But um, I had drawn this story to, with the idea that it would run in a comic called Charlton Bullseye. Yeah. Charlton Comics was, was, was taking on water at that point, and they were pretty much on their way to going out of business. Mm-hmm. But, but one of the things they had decided to do at one point was to do a, a book called Charlton Bullseye where they would just print your comic and run it in there. And then the idea was we will give you no money, but you'll get to have your stuff in print. And it's like, well, no money sounds pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just seeing stuff in print seemed like, well, that's going to be a, a a real, a real eye opener. Um, and so I drew up this story with the idea that, that this could run in there, sent it to them. And they kind of came back and said, well, the good news is it looks pretty good. The bad news is the the even no money was too much money, and the book and the the book couldn't continue. 
where it was canceled. So I, at that point, I had this dragon story that I had drawn up. And so it ended up that I had a couple of buddies who also wanted to do their comics as well. And we self-published a comic book on the uh, tabletop offset press that my dad owned. And we just printed it off in my living room and brought it to a comic book convention and sold a handful of copies of, of it, uh, sold a bunch more. Is that the uh, graphic fantasy? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, graphic yeah. fantasy. Cool. It was just printed up, yeah, in my living room. I mean, we were up that night collating pages and stapling stuff. And The actual physical comic, if you ever see a copy of it, is just dreadful. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really the printing is awful and everything. It's, everything's kind of blurry and crappy looking, but that was it. You know, it, it, it was the start of something. And from there, I, uh, a guy named Gary Carlson had contacted me about working on, uh, some small press book that he wanted to put together. I worked for him on, on that, uh, created a character with him called Vanguard who I've used to this day, mm-hmm. uh, as has he Gary Carlson. And so, uh, and each time I would just get something that I could show to the next guy. So that stuff got me work at a company called AmeriComics and and AC Comics. And that stuff was something that I could show to the next guy. And the Megaton stuff was something I could show to the next guy and just kind of worked my way up the food chain. At one point I... I uh, met Jim Shooter at a convention in Chicago. And I, so he said, so you're a professional now, huh? And I said, yep. <laughs> and I barely was. And then we, uh, he said, how would you like to do a story for Marvel Fanfare? And what that meant was, how would you like to do an inventory story? What sure. I thought was, yeah. how would you like to do a story for Marvel Fanfare? Right. And so... Um, so we said, I said, that'd be great. Let's, let's plot it out at this convention. And so he said, oh, okay. And we sat down and we uh, plotted it out and it ended up being an issue of Thor is Thor 385. And um, that was my first Marvel gig. Although I'm not sure that it's soft print first, but it was certainly drawn first. And then that gave me some great samples because it had it had guys that people knew on it. You know, it had Thor and it had the Hulk, and they were kicking the crap out of each other. And so uh, that just kind of led to the next little thing. I got to do a book called DN Agents over at Eclipse Comics. Sure. Yep. Yep. And then I did. Um, a fill-in on Spider-Man real early on there. And then I did, I, I landed a regular assignment doing the Doom Patrol over at DC. But I'd also done a couple fill-ins here and there at, at DC, here and there. Just anything I could get my hands on. And then... Wasn't you know, uh, your, your Spider-Man fill-in uh, written by a priest, right? Christopher Priest? Oh, was yeah, Jim Owsley at the time? Yeah, it was Jim Owsley at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <Okay>. Okay. <laughs> it's it's an awful comic. Seriously, if you if you if you read oh, it, I think we all have it in a long box. Yeah, he's, too, yeah. I mean, he's he's gotten a lot better, and <laughs> I've gotten a lot better. And it's like sure. it, there's just there's not a lot of there's not a lot of qualities I can point to in that thing and go, oh, look at this. It's like, yeah, this is just a train wreck all around. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before you move on uh, from Doom Patrol, you followed Steve Lytle, which, to my eyes, it was a jarring change. Oh yeah, yeah, super jarring. But I liked super, you better. Super jarring. I think I, I think Eric was based on the subject matter. I I picked up the first three, four, five issues because I followed Steve from. From Legion of Superheroes, when I saw that he was going to be on the book, I said, "Okay, great." I I know very little. I all I knew about Doom Patrol was its connection to the New Teen Titans, and so I didn't have the history because I didn't read a lot of old Doom Patrol books stories. But uh, yeah. so Steve was the reason why I started picking it up. And then when he left early, and you came on, I was like, "This really isn't what I signed up for." But yeah. it was based, and I but I was I was young, and stupid. But based on mm-hmm. on the subject matter, it just it your style really made more sense to be on something like the Doom Patrol. I had, a, I had an okay time on it, and I I had way more creative freedom than I should have had. I had no idea that you weren't supposed to do the things that I was doing because I was heavily, with in pretty short order, was, was rewriting stuff <laughs> and replotting stuff. And I had no business doing that at all. I mean, I was just starting out. I was a, I was a kid. I shouldn't have been doing that. And I, it didn't even occur to me that I, I shouldn't be because it would be like, well, this is dumb. I'm gonna change this. <laughs> 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 I'm not supposed to be doing that. But but also the writer had had asked me, hey, what do you want to do real early on? And it was like, well, that seems strange. <laughs> and so. A uh, character I created named Shrapnel showed up in like my second <laughs> issue, which kind of it's like, all right, he's indulging you really quick. And but also I, there would be s- stuff where I would read it and his plots going, this doesn't this doesn't really make much sense that he would be able to do this. Uh, let me come up with something else. And, and um, yeah, at, at one point on my on my way out. Because I I was contracted to do a year on it, and once I got to that point, I was like, I had been getting offers from Marvel to do other stuff, and I was like, I knew that those were better gigs, and and I was more of a Marvel guy at heart, so I really wanted to do a, a regular book there, and so I I when I was finishing my run, it was to be continued into the into the next issue. There was another another artist coming on board so i was like well i better i better keep i better stick on the plot a little more because this is going feeding into the next issue with another artist and the the editor basically said why start now (laughs) 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 Uh, but i i definitely had had some fun with it Uh, it was a good time for me i don't know how how Difficult it was on on his end to have to deal with my nonsense, but he didn't call me up and complain about it. So, one of the great what ifs would have been if you stuck on the book when Grant Morrison came on. 
to see that Ooh. combination would be great. Well, except he wouldn't have got on had I not left. Because it was it was a situation where I would I had I had quit the book and then they decided, well, since this party's breaking up, why don't we why don't we get a clean start and and get this other guy on on the book? Wow. I think if I had stuck it out, it probably wouldn't have happened. They probably wouldn't have, have, have changed things like that. So you're responsible for for crawling from the wreckage. That's all, Eric Larson. If, if you, well, <laughs> it is in our history. <laughs> as much as I like to take credit for everything that happened thereafter, uh, yeah, it was completely me. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Nice. You heard it here first. So, so you uh, you were the publisher of, of Image for a time, uh, uh-huh. and then handed that off to Eric Stevenson. But to this day. Um, you are listed as are many of the other founders uh, with with executive titles, and I, I full disclosure, yeah. I work I yeah. work on Wall Street uh, in my day job, so that I'm always was something that that we always we always had those titles. They weren't in the books until I until I became the publisher. Actually, right. uh, I said, you know, hey, we've got this group of guys who fo- founded this company. How come our names aren't in there? <laughs> I mean, it's, mine was going to be in there because I was the publisher. Right. But I thought, uh, you know, there's no reason that these guys shouldn't be in there as well. So, so I started listing them in there at that point. And and to, to that end, though, are you so, so safe to say that um, that that you are not uh, the chief financial officer in the same way that I think I would normally think of of a CFO's duties? Right. I mean, are these more like they're more ceremonial? Is it's yeah, say? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, so what's the what is the the? I mean, I, I know we know that that image is is a you know a, a more of a sort of a a facilitator, a, a you know a holding company at least at, at some level. But but what is your what is your sort of day to day connection? I mean, do you are you at the image offices? Like, are you in the same no. office with Eric? No, no you're not. Okay. No, no uh, image moved up to Portland, and I moved to San Francisco. So. It would be a hell of a commute. <laughs> Do you guys so, get together for like annual board meetings or is it like? Uh, we get together when we need to get together, basically. If, mm-hmm. if there's stuff that needs to be handled and, and something needs to go on that it needs to involve the group of us, then we'll get together. Otherwise, we don't get together that much. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Before Do you have... We, oh, go ahead, Vince. I just say, before we move on, about Eric's uh, stint as publisher. I think, at least in terms of creativity and um, diversity, I think Eric's run as publisher was the founding of what we're seeing now at Image. I mean, Eric was trying... He's in the room. You were trying um, all all (laughs) kinds of, you know, all kinds of different stuff, the anthologies, um, you know, it it was from the... Wildly different from the stuff that came before. You you seem to open the door to more indie and underground artists. Then there was a lot of a lot of changes and and some stuff that that came about was just me trying to help out books that were doing okay but kind of 
floundering a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, so part of it was just me coming on board and just going, yeah, this, you really ought to change this logo because this thing is unreadable and basic stuff like that where, where a lot of it was, was super basic where somebody like the Luna brothers had pitched a book, which was accepted, which they had called heroin. Hmm. And I had suggested maybe you might want to rethink that because <laughs> As much as I know what a heroine is, <laughs> it's spelled awfully close to this other word. And, you know, people might think that this is a drug book because right. it's in, we're not all that literate, really, when it comes to it. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I realize people are reading, but so we, we talk, I ended up talking through them and then we ended up coming up with using the, the characters the lead character's name. So the book became ultra, mm-hmm. but prior to, you know, and so there's a lot of just different stuff like that. Sometimes people would pitch books and it would have not very good titles. And I would talk them through it. Uh, some books that had existed at the company had, you know, logos that weren't very good or character designs that weren't very good. And so there was a, a, a lot of me kind of being behind the scenes and pushing for one thing or another, like maybe we ought to get you a, a better letter or, or a letter or, you know, think about this and think about that. And a lot of it was just kind of walking through people through these processes and trying to get the books to be better books than what they were. Um, and I, I pissed off a couple of people who ended up going away. And then once they went away, they, they went away. Like I'm taking my book to the, to Dark Horse, like where, where it vanished immediately. Hmm. You know that sort of thing. Sorry, you know, <laughs> yeah. there, were, there were little things here and there that which didn't work out super well for for other people. I think we had some books that that weren't going to last very long, regardless. And I tried to do the best I could with, with those. And I know that at the time there were, there were just connections that, that uh, Jim Valentino didn't have that I had that, that wouldn't help just different people come through the company and come into the, the fold and stuff like that. So I was really, it was, it was just about trying to write the ship and get it sailing in a decent direction. And then once it was, then I was like, let me get the hell out of here and get back to doing some creative stuff because this is not what I want to do for the, you know, the long term. What happened uh, with the image golden age format? Why was that line abandoned? Uh, just sales. Hmm. Things need to do better than they, than they do. And it's also it's very expensive format to do because uh, the paper is not necessarily set up to be that size and that shape and presses need to be reconfigured and right. things need to be cut in a different way and we they couldn't be um, self cover and stuff I, I don't even know if you most people notice this but comics these days. Um, don't have covers anymore. Right. Yeah. I, it's 
it's all one one paper that's just fed through the press. So instead of it being 32 pages plus a, a cover on the outside, it's just 32 pages, and we format page one to look like a cover. Yep. So it's all good paper, but it's all the same paper. So whenever anybody s- says, hey, we should, we should move to newsprint and save all that money and think mm. how less expensive the books would be, it's like, well, newsprint means now you got to use two different presses, one right. for newsprint and one for the other thing, which is going to make it more expensive. So ultimately, that product costs more than it would be firing it through the press just the once and the one press. So, and that was the problem with doing the Golden Age stuff is that the covers had to be on a different stock than the interiors, and then that cost something. And, and it just, just ended up being really pricey kind of book to put together. I love and those things. I love them too. <laughs> they were a lot of fun to do and, and got got some cool guys to work on them. And uh, I wish there were more of them, but there's there couldn't be. So Yeah. Well, how many uh, total were printed? I, I don't just mean three. print runs. Three? Just three. We just hmm. did three. We did uh, Silver Streak yeah. and Fantastic Comics and Crack yeah. Comics. Okay, mm-hmm. three. Yep, they're on my bookshelf. I go back to them frequently. I just love them. I, I love them too. Not a fan of self cover. No, I'm. I I can understand that, but the industry uh, kind of needed it. Um, and that's kind of kind of where we're at. Is when the numbers get to be a certain place, something needs to change. If you're not selling a lot of ads, um, which. Marvel and DC weren't selling a lot of ads at that point, and you know, images never sold ads. Really, we we had a brief period where we had ads on back covers uh, that were outside, but for the most part, we we haven't really been selling ads. So it just made sense to get rid of four pages. You wouldn't have this huge ad farm in the back of every com- image comic, which mm-hmm. we used to have all the time. And you know, the the books, generally speaking, look look pretty good. So I'm not complaining about it, but I I do I do understand. Not a huge fan of it myself. Jason's well, I- dying to talk to you about original art. Oh, for, well, for sure. I was actually going to say, I'm, I want to know when we're going to get Giant Size Kung Fu Bible Stories number two. Yes. But uh, uh, Again, that's another another one where I, I wish it had sold better than then there would be a, an issue too. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't. So uh, at this point, there's an awful lot of them sitting at the, at the uh, distributor waiting for somebody to buy them. Because there, there are copies that, that, that can be reordered. Re- retailers can reorder the shit out of that book. Cause we've got a, <laughs> we've got a bunch of them. And we overprinted it because it's like, well, the only way this is going to break even is if we print this many. And it has not sold out. So, okay, guys. Well, that's a damn shame because I love that. I love <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, it's a great I book. Love the book. I like the format. And, Same. And, you know, I, I wish it had done better. But there's no... No real marquee characters in it, because all the, uh, one of the things I wanted was, hey, let's have all these be new characters that are introduced for the first time. Sure, 
and and as fun as that is, that that means there's no sales pitch character that you can go, oh, but it's got this guy in it. Totally. Um, oh. So, so as Vince said, I mean, I, I uh, needless to say, I'm, I'm super stoked to have you on, not only because of Savage, but because you are uh, an avid uh, comic art collector. Um, yes. And and I probably told you this in person at at times, but uh, you are among the, uh, the 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 few collectors that I'm insanely jealous about um, because as a renowned artist, you have the capacity to uh, trade your art for other art, which is uh, something I sadly can't do because I can't troll a lick. But <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I haven't actually done that much of that. It's mm-hmm. happened a couple times, but not a, not as much as you might think. Right. I, I guess I, I thought of that because um, you uh, you and I share the, uh, I should say, the honor of both being on Felix's uh, uh, podcast. And uh, and you, I think you told that story, which uh, which I find fascinating about. I think it was um, it was a cover to a Hulk issue, like one of your favorite issues as a kid. Right. And I think uh, you traded you traded some of your your work for that. Right. If I'm not mistaken. I, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah, so. that was. Uh, I knew a guy who would who would buy who who wanted some dragon art, and it was like, well, you buy this, and I'll give you the equivalent amount of money's worth of right savage dragon art. And it's like that was a lot of that was a lot of pages of savage dragon. Let <laughs> me just tell you that much. Roughly, how much savage dragon art do you still like? Have you kept? Oh, Is most that, of most of it. I yeah, think. I figured as much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably sold. I don't know, 20 issues, 25 issues, maybe. Wow. Which is a drop in the bucket. So, you know, I've got roughly 200 issues for the original art. Ah, sweet. That's amazing. (laughs) If I could cherry pick from the the Eric Larson Savage Dragon art archives, there's one page I would immediately go for. (laughs) Oh, boy. That issue where Horridus wakes up OG in that very special way. When you you know the one I'm talking about when she tries something on him, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that, that page. <laughs> you, you still have that? I still have that issue. <laughs> so mostly the, the the thing with Dragon is I haven't I haven't broken up the issues. So mostly when I've been selling them, it's been complete I've issues. Been selling them complete. Oh man, you know. So it's like. Yeah, this is going to be a few grand, but you're going to be, you'll have all of it. You can pick out your favorite pic- pages if you want, and you can sell the rest. And, and, but it's, but it is an initial like, oh, this is going to be expensive. <laughs> no, that's do, awesome. But do, do you keep, tra- I'm sorry, Jason, do, no, do you keep that? track? Do you, um, I mean, do you know if there are a lot of third party dragon pages? I paid that much attention. Most of the people okay. who have, Bought stuff, uh, have kept them and kept. Them I was going to say I can speak to that just because because <laughs> I, I own I own pages from your defenders run and and I, I I have I rarely if ever can think of a time of seeing Savage Dragon pages out in the third market either even through like Heritage or Comic Link I never ever see them so dude you have defenders pages yeah man yeah you're kidding how have I never seen these I, I have no idea I yeah I sold I sold most of those yeah I bought them from Albert. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Albert's got Albert's got Savage Dragon pages too. I think. Hmm. Okay. And he's got uh, 
I know he's got spawn stuff. I know he's got. I think he's got Savage Dragon. I think he's probably still got some Defender stuff. Yeah. The um the other reason as as our as an art collector I'm jealous of you is that you're just a smidge older than me, and and that is the Halcyon time. You guys were able to view it as a hobby and buy pages like before anyone else on the earth realized what they were actually going to be worth someday. And that's like an incredible head start. I, I wish I had a time machine because I'm sure all collectors say that, but, uh, oh, but what, do you remember the first page you ever bought? Um, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the thing was that I, um, my house burned down in 91. Right. right. So before that I had had bought a bunch of original art too and then that all went away so roughly uh, how many pages of that? I, knew, I knew about your house but i never i never heard how well, much art you're talking. Uh, i had dealt with a guy who who was who had a huge amount of gil kane roughs that he was doing for the starhawks uh newspaper strip mm-hmm. so i got like hundreds of those oh and so those are those are all gone. That's um, and then I I had I don't, I don't know probably ten or eleven uh, Gil Kane pages. I had a, some random uh, some Garcia Lopez Teen Titans stuff, some George Perez Teen Titans and Fantastic Four. Uh, I had a Steve Ditko Machine Man page. I didn't have any Kirby at that point. I had a Frank Robbins shadow cover. <laughs> Just so, so God, I'm sweet. Uh, that was probably the thing that I missed the most. Breaks my heart. Was that, that, although the, the Garcia Lopez Teen Titans pages were amazing because they're like fighting the gods and there's double page spreads and stuff. It's like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Um, I think well, you, you own the complete my yeah. my all time favorite comic yeah. is Commanding Number Nine, and you you were saying that you own the complete issue. Yeah, I'm not sure if I own the cover. I have to <laughs> look look that one up and see what that cover is. Now, what would a Commanding Number Nine, the complete issue, Sans cover, go for on the secondary market now? Oh, oh now would be a lot. Oh yeah. I don't oh, yeah. even know. I don't even know what those would be these days. I mean, times ooh. have changed. Yeah, I mean, how, how um, how did you get started with 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 Kirby? I mean, it seemed because you you do for those listeners that don't know or aren't into the art game. I mean, it's it's fair to say, uh, you know, Eric has one of the most impressive, uh, at least by reputation. I can't say I've seen it personally, but one of the most impressive. Uh, Jack Kirby art collections out there. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, how did that start? I um, it was mostly through Kevin Eastman. Mm-hmm. I was doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, through them, and it, uh, through you know when they decided they didn't want to do them anymore, they contacted me and said, "Hey, you want to do this?" And I was like, "All right." <laughs> Let me let me try that out, and so I I did that for a while, and uh, and I just got to know Kevin through through that, and so I don't have the cover to number nine, and I don't have the double page spread 
tissue nine, which was a weird. Uh, it was a it was a collage, so mm-hmm. there was very little actual original art on it, and it didn't even have when the issue was semi intact. Uh, the collage that was there was just a stat. They, they didn't have the, the original original collage. And so somebody bought this, broke up the issue and bought the stat of this double-page spread because he always wanted a Kirby collage. So it's like, all right, mm-hmm. off it goes. Um, so I've got the rest of the issue. She died. We'll talk off the air. We'll deal. <laughs> Vince, to give you some some perspective, um, th- there's a, a page from just a an interior page from uh, Commandy um, number eight for sale right now um, at Her- on Heritage's auction, and it's uh, it's a couple thousand dollars right now, and it's not the auction isn't over, so wow, yeah, you, know, you could. You could do the math. Well, you're absolutely correct about it being a different time now because I can remember uh, we, you know, we were at a convention in New York City. This is like ninety, ninety one around there, and the the dealer had a stack of Kirby mm-hmm. um, Tales of Asgard um, yeah. pages, and I could have picked any ones I want for a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks a piece. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, was ridiculous how cheap they it were. It was crazy. It was crazy how cheap it was. I mean, in, in 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 retrospect, I should have taken my first image check and just gone to San Diego and just spent yeah. it all on original art because that would have been a far better investment than anything I possibly could have done. But like a fool, I paid off my mortgage instead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> being an adult. <laughs> yeah, the, the crazy thing is, there's there's at least allegedly uh, a, a ton of commandy art that uh, you know will be hitting the the market over the next few years because of you know I guess deaths of the owners and that sort of thing, estate and all that. So, yeah. oh, I mean, he was so prolific. I mean, there's so much out there. It's amazing. It's it's and to think of how yeah. much hasn't ever been seen. Even. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of it, and and some. Commissions and a bunch of fake commissions and yeah yeah. yeah. Are, are you still act like do you still actively collect or is it now just like when a, a grail piece comes up you, you kind of get word of it and you see about yeah it's more of that mm-hmm. because for them for the most part it's like I'm not sitting there going I need a a, a cur- any Kirby page just anything which it was at one point I mean my the first Kirby pages I was getting were just from from eBay. I would just go in there and bid whatever I could bid to get these things. But there wasn't a it wasn't a lot of money at that point too. It was a couple hundred bucks for a page. Mm-hmm. So like, well, that's, that's I remember when you could buy art on eBay without it worrying about being a fake. That was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah now um, we don't really have to. You've already written about this. A few years ago, and and um, people who listen to the show know my feelings on on the man. But you you do have some of when when you said Kirby, you you do you still own pages that Coletta in, in air quotes inked? Yeah, yeah, I, I have a whole issue, and you can see where 
he yeah, ignored or erased or uh-huh. or just okay. Yeah. So you know that now it's I I remember reading that that column that that article on on CBR years ago and and we were pretty much we, we were seeing eye to eye and 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 I I absolutely get it. and and this is I. I I don't. I've never met the man, so I can't. I can't speak on on him. I, I just go by oh, his he's, work he's now. So. Right. I know, and, and I know his son is on Facebook and is, is friends with a lot of people that 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 his dad worked with. Um, but I, I I get why. At of course, back then the books had to be out, and and yeah. it didn't, and and so he was. It went to him because he was fast because of how he got work done. But um, of course. I don't think that would fly in this day and age, but um, is it, how do you, is, is it something that you, when, when you look at those pages, do you just kind of, I mean, it, it, do you look at it in the sense that that's just the way it was, or is there any sort of uh, feeling when, when, when you see those pages? I just, I don't know how I would feel <laughs> if I saw those pages in person. Yeah, all right. That's all right. I'm, I'm, it, you just, it is what it is. There's not, there's not really anything you can do about it. I know a guy who's super anti-Coletta guy who's like, oh, it would be great if we could get some artist to reconstruct the pencils and have it inked by somebody competent and stuff like that. And I was talking with him and going, yeah, there's just no way, dude. There's no way you can, you're going to do it. You're not going to find an artist who's going to be able to draw exactly like Kirby and there's no way of telling what's underneath those yeah. those inks because he's erasing background characters they're not there anymore so you're going to have some second penciler try and figure out what he erased that's crazy yeah, you know it's one thing if you had copies of the pencils somewhere but for the most part those pencils don't exist and there's no real way of, of predicting what was there. You know, there was something down there, and he turned it into some cross hatching. Well, mm-hmm. what, what was there? We don't know. You, you kind of have to admire the size of Coletta's dick too to to go, <laughs> to go in and just yeah, yeah, was, you know, whole heart, erase. Move. And you yeah. kind of kind of wondered, you know, why people would put up with it. But he had his fans. Yeah, no, I really love this stuff. And I think, people, especially people who don't like Kirby's stuff that much, because there are those people, um, they'll they'll like Kirby Coletta because Coletta put all those little lines on stuff that they like on other people's work. And, and then, you know, it's like I think that was that, that's probably, and I, I mean, we've seen we we know. Heavy-handed anchors, whether it's Klaus or or Tom Palmer, there are some anchors who kind of make their yeah they make their presence known, and and yeah. and that's fine, and especially if it works with with with, with that penciler. But well, that's my, part of the deal, man. You're handing it off to some other. You're absolutely else. right. Yes, that's, that's part of the arrangement. You know, if you want it to look the way you want to ink it, you ink it ink yourself. yourself. That's right. You know, and, or or go out there and and help find somebody else to to ink the stuff. But as long as you're going to be part of this process where it's an assembly line it's creative, and you're right. down to the next guy, you're shit out of luck. You know? <laughs> the, the, uh, it's, I, I've seen, you know, I know Coletta was great with, with 
women's eyelashes. I know there are certain, Ugh. there are definitely certain parts that, that Coletta was really good at, but there are times where as through the years, whether he inked Kerry Gamble on that Wonder Man special, or he, he freaking, I don't know how the hell somebody could do this. He, he, he ruined Paul Smith on the first issue of the Falcon mini. And I mean, Paul Smith, you know what? Paul asked for him. Did he really? I did not all, know that. that all requested Vinnie Coletta. There we go. Oh, my God. Okay. So. And you wonder, like, how, how come he got work? And it's because, well, there's guys like Paul. And there's guys like, I mean, I think John Byrne asked for him on a on a Spider-Man stuff. Mm-hmm. Mostly because, you know, once once he got Terry, who was good, right. they, they kind of were like, well, let's just have Terry ink everything. And, and I think John was like... I'd like to see some variety. Anybody, give me many. I found. I I know, as a guy coming into the business as a kid, I was like, um, he was kind of this trial by fire kind of kind of deal. You know, it's like, okay, if you can survive this, you can survive anything. He (laughs) ate my first Marvel job. He was the guy. He He, he ate your Thor story, right? Yeah, that issue Thor, and I was like. Holy crap, man! What have, what have you done? And and I think that's and and obviously not as 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 an artist as, as a fan, I'll see his line and I just find it it thin and and kind of flat and and it's and that's and like you said, there are some people who might like that, especially on something like Kirby. It kind of maybe tames it down a bit, but I just I, I'll I'll look at people like you know Mark Farmer or or any or or Carl Story people who kind of just embellish it and, and give it a little bit of flourish but it, it was just it's and he's he's part of comic book history i i have comics really? i have collections that 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 he's a part of so i can't you know it's it's not it is what it is but it's still it took just me a long long time to warm to him his work but i i have gotten to that point where I, where i don't hate it <laughs> yeah, Maybe I'm, not, there I'm not there yet. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Years years, it was just like I would see his name and be like, "Oh man, this is this is the worst." Yep. And now and it's then, like, all right. He's, he's bringing parts. something to it. It's weird, but right. No, he's bringing something to it, and and but I see his name on something, and then I, I wonder if you know, well, what what am I missing? What isn't there now because he did get to work on it? But yeah. it's it was that's. The book you can't you can't sell a book if it's not on the newsstand. And <laughs> well, he, yeah, that, 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 that's yeah. exactly the thing for me. Is that it's, a story in an issue of Warlord, uh, and you can look it up. I don't remember the issue number, but the the cover is it's called the Gambler, and he had Vinnie Coletta in there as a character, and Warlord cuts off his hand. I remember this. Yes, mm-hmm. I remember reading that. <laughs> you were saying, Jason. No, I was going to say, I mean, I think that's that's Coletta or, or really anyone else, but I guess he's the poster boy, is that, um, you know, for as much as, as we revere the medium, and certainly, uh, gods know, I, 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 I have spent a tremendous amount of time and money on, on art, so I, I hold it in, in the highest regard, but, but I mean, it's, it's not precious, right? Especially that, like, that art was, it was a a job. It was a production line. Yeah, it was absolutely a job. Yeah, they, they were, they were, they were printing periodicals on a deadline for the masses. And so like, I, I, I I guess I've never had the visceral hate in my heart for Coletta that like you do, David, in the sense that, that I I don't disagree with your like uh, artistic criticism. And like in a perfect world, it's, it is a bummer to think that, that some of these great pencilers, um, you know, had the, 
the drawings that they had envisioned or put down on paper, altered or even in erased or or whited out. That that is a bummer. It certainly breaks my heart as someone who collects the art. But but, but also but, you got to think the guys working on this stuff. They in in many cases they they never look back. That's what I was about You're to right. say. You just exactly. words out of yes. my mouth. Yeah, I, I don't know that they really it's cared, like, right? Because yeah, it was like, okay, I got to draw the next issue. I got, yeah, I got another. They draw. weren't they weren't selling. The, they, there was no aftermarket. They got to do the next one, and then yep. just one after that. They got and they keep coming. And yeah. I mean, Jack didn't, as far as I know, Jack didn't read those old comics. Uh-huh. He just stacked them up as as if they sent them to him at all. Um, but he's he's not reading them. He's not a a collector. So as far as he was concerned, whatever. He was putting down in the in the margins. That was the script. That was he was writing them as far as he was concerned. And then in terms of the art, uh, nobody can. As long as it's inked by a comp, a, a professional, they're all going to do a, a reasonable job with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You so know? Jason, know that that Bill Everett was had inked the book for a while. He wasn't even aware of it. Mm-hmm. Jason, I, I don't subscribe to that it was just a job uh, approach because you know to get a little to get a little trite. For a lot of guys, it was. Yeah, well, I'm sure it was, but it became something else. Like the Beatles were just recording pop music, right. but yeah. but they're regarded as the the upper echelon yeah, of the art form. You have, you have, but you yes, have the power of hindsight the, now. So Vince, you, you're the, I mean, you, you, you of the three of us obviously are the artists, and you, you have said a million times to me, and, and it's, it's made its mark that, that once you create something, what it is, is you have no control over. You don't. Right? Like right, once, right. once it's out there, what you think it is, oh, what every person else that sees it thinks it is, is, is its own thing, right. and you have no control. So that's all I was saying. I'm saying functionally, when, when all these guys that we, we revere, and again, we own their art, and we, when they, for the most part, and, and Jack Kirby was like this for a lot of it. I mean, it, it was a job. He was he was busy. He sure. was he was like, I gotta get on to the next issue because we have more issues to sell. So oh, I don't all disagree I'm saying with is that. like as much as I would love to be able to go back in time and say, sit down, you know, and shake Coletta, you know, by the shoulders and say, dude, like, think about what you're doing here by doing this. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't seem egregious to me in the sense that like he was just trying to do the job to the best of his ability. It didn't seem like most of his his coworkers and peers really had much of an issue with him. It was just part right. of the part of the part of the process. He definitely had yeah. fans in in the industry. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but, I mean Jim Shooter loved his stuff and was championing him, and he was like his favorite guy. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, Harris, I, did you ever um, did you ever get to spend uh, much of any time with with uh, Kirby before he passed on? Um, I met him a couple times. Nothing mm-hmm. I can. Nothing I can really report on that's like, oh, and he told me this, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and that's. Well, I mean, it's it's certainly fair to say he's he's one of your your yeah, artistic mentors or heroes. Definitely right a huge influence. Sure. Uh, but but yeah, there was no time that I I never spent any time with him outside of a comic book convention. Mm-hmm. It's just you know meeting him usually in a crowded place where I could barely hear what he was saying. Um. So, you know, it was what it was. Yeah, I wish I had met him. I never did. Yes. Nor have I, nor did I, yeah. Yep. Do, do you ever, um, yeah, I think you're, you're, in, you're in the 50s now. Do you, do you ever think about the other side of legacy now? I mean, there are, there are certainly plenty of artists that have been inspired by your work. Do you ever get a chance to, do, do they ever have the, the courage of conviction to come up to you at conventions and sort of acknowledge that and, and, and oh, share yeah, their yeah. own? Just, just a little bit of that. 
that always goes on, which is which is always nice, you know. It's and hearing from people who go, oh, that was the first comic I ever read, blah blah blah, and it's like, oh, that's that's awesome. I'm glad glad that worked out for you. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We all start somewhere, um, you know. Awesome. Well, that's a neat little segue because we have. Uh, our in, a little bit of influence, but because we keep talking Savage Dragon, um, we had a listener recently, right? <laughs> yes, today, today actually, this afternoon. Yeah, he said um, he he that he just finished listening to the May third podcast, and he wanted to say because of us that he read the entirety of Savage Dragon. Holy crap! Over yeah. the past three months. Yeah, it took him three months, but he read the whole thing, and now he's a subscriber of the book and um he said it's a it's a hell of a good time and he thanks you know blah 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 us for getting him to read it but uh what's his name david talon bray talon bray is is what he's what he goes by on facebook yeah nice shout out to him do you i mean mean, there's a, a component of pride involved in in doing a book for 233 issues i mean but do you think that would you like the book to be a a bigger seller more more visible more oh, popular i don't think i don't think anybody ever doesn't want true more sales. true <laughs> you know so in terms of that sure i'll take it do you think um, that there's anything at this point you could do to to get more sales or do you think it's now it's just a matter of just making completing this monster that you've created and seeing it to its conclusion i i would think that if if suddenly somebody was going making a, a movie, that it would make it easier to get books into bookstores, mm-hmm. and that you know each little thing like that would could could potentially help. But I'm not sweating it one way or the other. Right, really. you just seem happy just to keep doing what you're always doing, and that's a, that's yeah. refreshing. Yeah, as long as I'm not. As long as I'm not losing money doing it, I'm all right. Right. <laughs> so we've we've talked at length about the um, what other people perceive as the new direction for the book. Which, I mean, you've always been a fan of the ladies. Let's just say you've Dart has been depicted in various yeah, po- positions. You know, and I love that about it. I love to find the the cheesecake stuff in the old issues of Savage Dragon, but. The the past year has seen a, a, a more explicit approach, and yeah, somewhat. I I don't know that that's going to be something I'll do forever. I hope but, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I I kind of I kind of like it if if it's unexpected, you know? right? Right. I, I, what I don't like is is where you're just going, oh, this again, right. and it just every everything can become kind of old hat in a way. And, and at the same time, um, I, I don't want it to be, I don't like kind of teasy nudity in a way. Um, I, I'd rather just kind of feel like, feel more natural. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is the way this character is stand, you know, stands as like a regular person. And they happen to, to not, have their clothes on or whatever. And it just, to me, it just sort of feels like, oh, okay, if they're not freaking the hell out, why should I? Um, I don't know. 
<laughs> in, a, in a way, it's like it's like drawing, doing a sex scene that doesn't look particularly sexy is is, is another thing where it's just like you know, sex can be gross. <laughs> Let's just see what the try that out for size. See what yeah. that's like. It's like that that one sequence where Angel's sitting on the bed and she's got the towel on her head and, you know, the robe on. And Maxine just starts doing what Maxine does. And it it, it wasn't like you didn't hammer us over the head with it. You just had, you know, stuff coming into the panel. I thought, like, this is brilliant. It's so understated. But it was sexy as hell, too. (laughs) Maybe I'm just, I'm strange and and old. But, I mean, I... (laughs) I, I like to think that it, when you can surprise a person that has read comics for as long as we have, you're doing something right. And, and there's not an issue of Dragon that goes by that I'm not in some way surprised. And, yeah. you know, we well, just got to thank you for that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure finding new ways of doing that over the years. And, and still, you know, it's like I sent out the next one and it's like, Oh yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Very pleased with yourself. Yeah, no, it works. It works out all right. And I mean, there's still stuff that I'm frustrated with my own work, where I'm I am not quite able to pull off what I would like to be able to pull off. But uh, at, at the same time, it's it's there's certain things where it's like, all right, this this works better than. And I'd hope to. So right. it's kind of give and take on, on all this stuff. Now, do you have any um, darlings on the book, characters um, with which you feel a, a certain bond, like they're your favorites? Um, who among the many, let's say, villains in Savage Dragon, who are, are among your favorites? Um, I like Mr. Glam a whole Me lot. Too. Just, Me too. I enjoy drawing him. He's just mostly because he's so expressive. And can do so much craziness that it's like I, I just find him a lot of fun. But he just uh, wants love. That's all. He just all, he just all wants. It's really when it comes down to it. <laughs> Any way you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> all this. I mean, I whatever I'm drawing at the time is usually I'm usually pretty happy with it. Um, I mean, some of the characters or costumes get too elaborate and it's tough to keep track of. Well, what's this character look like from behind? And have I shown that yet? Mm-hmm. And an awful lot of it is just me getting out stacks of books and trying to comb through it and keep things consistent. <laughs> yeah, aside from your editor, do you ever have um, difficulty remembering? The continuity, because that's another thing. Savage Dragon continuity changes all the time. And, um, yeah, and I screw up every now and then. I, I've, I've been known to, to completely get something wrong. A lot of things I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be looking through an issue and go, oh, man, I got this one page where this character doesn't have socks on anymore. You know? And there were super obvious socks in the last <laughs> image, and now they're just gone for, yeah. for no, no apparent reason. Like in... In, in you know flipping through 233, there's a back shot of of Rapture as she's watching the ships go by, and it's like in the previous time we we saw her, she had big old wrappings around her legs, mm-hmm. and they're just gone for that <laughs> one panel that we see her in, and then it's like ah, oh. <laughs> okay, that's note so much. To sell. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, but but you, all of this, there's there ends up being these little things here and there where where I where I just I can't quite remember what it is, and and, and uh, I'll usually look it up because I've got all the books and and they're all here. But every now and then something will slip by. I frequently have to go back. Um, the new issue comes out and you, you'll do something. I'll be like, what? So I have to go back a bunch of issues and just reread the stuff just to keep up on the storyline because it's, it's yeah. constantly oh, you, twisting. You yeah. <laughs> and some, some stuff like, it's like, do I need to t- remind readers of this or do I not? Or how, how heavy handed do you make it? How it's, so in some ways, it's it's more difficult for a lapsed reader to be to be able to read a new issue than it is for like a brand new reader. Because I think a brand new reader just comes on here and expects that they're going to be somewhat baffled, and they expect like, oh, there's a whole bunch of people that I don't know, and I'll just catch up on them as the, as I catch up on them. And but I, I like that about your approach, though. That, that that's one of the things I like about it because. I think it would be it would be tedious um, to like pay homage to the way comics were in the sixties, seventies, and eighties, where you just had constant um, you know regurgitation of things that we read a month or two before, because they always assumed you could be a first time reader. Um, yeah. I, I like but that you just say, is, "Listen, I, this is my world, my continuity. Jump in, and um, you know if you if you're not sure what's going on, you'll either figure it out or you can go back and." There's a million different ways you can read the older issues and collections, yeah. or you know. So, I tr- I try to make it uh, at least intriguingly incomprehensible. <laughs> um, and and I think that, that that if you're if you're reading it for the first time, I mean, all you need to know is is what do you do you even need to know that Malcolm is the son of the original Savage Dragon? Does that even matter anymore? I don't think so. No. You know, so what do you need to know when you're picking up any any issue? It's like, well, this is the this is the title character. Okay, that's it. What do you need to know? Oh, he's got he's got these kids. Oh, okay. Oh, and he lives in Toronto. All right. I mean, but even if I if I don't mention the name of the city he lives in in an issue, is that going to affect things one way or the other? Mm-hmm. It's like. Right. You know, I mean, in Captain Marvel Adventures in the 40s and 50s, they never mentioned once the name of the city he lived in. That's true. So, you know, it's like they they managed to go whatever it was, 15 years without mentioning the name of his, this where he lived. Did it make any difference? Does that matter at all? I don't think it necessarily does so more and more i've just been kind of stripping things out in in a way okay well how much really needs to be there in order for you to get it and i think in in some ways telling people more in an effort to try and fill them in makes it worse makes it more confusing like a little bit of information can kind of be more than you need to know and I think in, in some ways it's just better to approach it as people you've never met before. And, you know, when, when I, you meet somebody for the first time, you don't 
find everything out about them. But if they say, oh, I hate that guy, <laughs> then they'll tell you about why they hate that guy. You know, or, ah, oh, my, my sister's been bugging me all week. And it's like, oh, you have a sister? <laughs> it's like, yeah, blah, blah. And then she'll, he'll fill you in on what's going on with his sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you're curious to know how many other siblings he's got. You, you might ask him. But yeah. Know, tell people the information when that information is relevant. Right. Otherwise, shut the hell up. Because mm-hmm. if you're sitting there trying to wrap up an adventure that just happened, you're just going to confuse people. And there's no point in it. Yeah. Why are you confusing people? But we also live in, a, in an era where everybody wants to know everything right now. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, I need to know how how the yeah. how the story is going to end. It's instead of me going on that journey with you, uh, or or let you be in charge of it, I need to know the beginning, middle, and end right now before I even sit down to read it. Right, and, and, it's, and it's like the, the the artist or the creators having a a conversation with their audience, and you get these people just interrupting. Wait, 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 wait a minute. What what, what did that mean? You know, and and Eric's right. Just shut up. Sit back and and, ex- and experience it, and you'll it'll eventually you'll get it. I don't know or how um, creators, how you guys, and especially editors handle conventions because um, it, you know we go to a lot of conventions, but but it's it's been a long time since I've sat through um, a panel um, or a you know, and generally it's because it's just incredulous to me that 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 uh, you know someone comes to a convention they. They're clearly a fan. I mean, they've paid money to go to the convention. They've waited in line probably for a long time to get to the panel, waited in line to ask their question. And the question is essentially like, please spoil the book for me. Yeah, right. right? And then the, the yeah. editor or the creator will say like, well, we can't really talk about that, but you'll see it when it comes out in the issue. And I think, isn't the whole point of 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 in, of, of in ingesting fiction to to be be entertained by it? And then that's why would yeah. I want the spoiler. Well, I mean, that's, that's what I'm – trying to do when I do my book all the time. It's like, well, you're, you're definitely succeeding. I mean, I will disclosure, (laughs) you know, I mean, Vince, I think has never, never missed an issue. I I was a last reader for sure. Um, and then, you know, jumped back in. And so I, I, you know, I, I, there's tons that happened in the book that I wasn't aware of, like from a quote unquote continuity standpoint. And I didn't feel like I, I missed, I missed a thing. Well, no, no, let me reset it. it. Clearly I missed things. But I don't feel as though it in any way took away my enjoyment of what I'm currently reading in the book the last few years. So I think um, you succeed in that. Now, and, and you did you mention that the family is in Toronto now. So did and we know why the people reading the book know why. <laughs> now, is that so? So did you you, you made a commitment to yourself, I'm, I'm assuming. And, and you says, OK, so whatever happens in November my character is <laughs> staying in Chicago or they're moving to Canada. And, and so when you woke up the next morning, you did go to sleep that night. So, so how, how far, how far in advance did you work in either direction? Did you know before you knew what actually was going to happen? How far were you planning? Did you have anything roughed out story wise? If, if they were, and not that the really politics play a part in it. I mean, you could probably still do most of the same story if they were still yeah. in the States. Yeah, I mean, most of it I could could do was in the states. So it just it just happened that it that it worked out the way it, it worked out. And I wasn't in, when I was writing that story too. I wasn't writing it as as oh my god, he's such a terrible president, blah blah blah. You know, I think 
you know, as, as some people have pointed out, they go, I think it's kind of a reasonable action to take to say, you know, when, once you've got aliens that have, that have invaded and have racked a large portion of the major city, I don't think it's an, a, a terrible jump to say no more aliens, you know? It's yeah. like, let's get aliens out of this. We shouldn't have aliens around here. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't, it doesn't strike me as this is, this is such a huge overreach for, for a president or anybody to come to that con- conclusion. So, you know, I, and, and it was kind of the point is that I was like, I don't want to be putting words in his mouth that are, that are words that, that he would never say under any circumstance. Right. And I also don't want to take words that he has said about other stuff and apply that to a new situation. Cause I think both of those things are, are, are really unfair, but I'm fine with going, let me use the actual words of actual supporters and put them in the mouths of actual supporters. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and, and I'm fine with kind of building stories around kind of the the wake that is left behind from the actions that are being made, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, well, let's see how this just plays out. Um, and we'll, and we'll see. I mean, I, I don't, I don't expect him to move back until there's a different administration, basically. Nice. Okay. Nice. I, I like, Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, I like it when you get, um, a little political. I mean, so same, same, right. You did it with, with W and, and we also agree with his politics though, too, right? Sure. Sure. (laughs) Sure. But it's, that helps. But I mean, even if, if you just read the, the, the Trump issue and, and, you know, in terms of what he actually says and what he actually does, Mm -hmm. There's really nothing there, you know. I mean, all he really does is is signs an executive order, uh, barring aliens from the United States, and that's that's it, right? You know, and that's like that's not a huge thing. And then the rest of it is just people who are rabid followers of him, and and most of that was was taken from message boards <laughs> honestly a lot of the dialogue that was that was in the trump issue was just things from uh youtube comments and facebook comments right just but, like i'm just going to take this verbatim and pop it in there even some of the faces of of his supporters were taken from real people from oh, funny photos oh, 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 oh. that were in yeah, online, I was just like, "All right, I'm using this dude. I'm using that guy." Oh, you're you're too much. But but <laughs> the um the what I was getting at is the book becomes like a living document of not only this story about the the the, uh, the legacy of these dragons, um, mm-hmm. but it's also Eric Larson. Like I get the I'd like to think that someone who has read all of the issues would pretty much get a good approximation of the character of Eric Larson because you inject so much of your beliefs into the book, sometimes subtly, sometimes not so much, 
but yeah. you know that but it's your this is your world and mm-hmm. and it's just it just lends itself to the organic nature of the book where yeah eric's going to go this way this issue and i'm going to follow and then maybe next time who knows what he's going to do maxine could come back as a cyborg you know spitting out <laughs> mutant babies and we don't know <laughs> But that's the great thing about it. We don't know what's going to happen ever. Like it, it's not a detective novel where you give us the clues we need to solve a mystery. You're just mm-hmm. you're just unhinged, well, going everywhere. I do, I do play an awful lot with stuff like that because there are definitely things where I'll set something up and then pay it off down the road, and you and you, oh, oh yeah, you did set up that this one thing exists and I had, you know, I had no idea that, that you placed a, a revolver in the room. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there it is, you know, looking back at that page, shit, God damn it. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, but I'm sitting there when I'm doing this stuff going, all right, I gotta, you know, be, be aware of this and know that I've set up, that and know that I can play with these pieces here and and what these things mean and what what this can bring to the table and and stuff like that you know and then and then you then you play around with it and see see what you can make of it and see what stories you can tell with it and it's all fun yep. <laughs> and and I have every um I have no doubt that you will eclipse uh Dave Sims run which is nice yeah i hope so it would be it would be nice to um, no you will but that was that was a that's a long run you know and and every issue it's like this isn't this isn't getting any easier (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's like oh why why did i decide to do this how come they could have got it big now they didn't have to move to the city. They could have moved to a more, you know, snow-capped area of, of Canada. Mm. And you wouldn't have to worry about so many backgrounds and buildings. Yeah, uh, it's true. I mean, there's, there's fun stuff. I like the I like Toronto as a city. and I and, um, Do you visit often? I mean, is, I only went there once. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and, it, and it was just purely, was, uh, I've got to go up there because I've got to do some research on this stuff because this is, this is nuts. You know, you can write it off. That's great. But and then there, and then there's a lot of it is just, uh, you know, you got you got all this Google Maps stuff, and you can drive all over town and see what's what, and and make something of it. And there's just there's so much stuff there, and there's so much cool shit to play with. Where you're just like, oh, I got a grocery store. What am I? What, what's the name of my grocery store? He's coming in with a bag in his hand. What's it going? What's it going to be on the bag? It's got to be a bag from a real grocery store. What do we got? And they'll look around his basic neighborhood and try to find something. And there's a there was like a grocery store that was that was in town. And it's barely visible on the bag, but um, there's this Asian uh, market. And it's called the Lucky Moose. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's awesome. It's Canadian. It's called the Lucky Moose. And in typical Chinese market style, they had no idea what a moose looked like. So they just put like a bull on there. And it's like, this is awesome. <laughs> it's like nothing like a moose. It's got, I, I love it. 
and it and I'm constantly finding little weird things like that that I can that I can play with. Like, oh, that's a funny name for that, or that's a that's a cool look for that. You know, and I and I didn't really do that that much when I was in in Chicago. There's a lot less of it, and I'm kind of looking at it now, going, "Man, I should have played around with it oh, with the real Chicago a little more than I actually did." But oh well. <laughs> yeah. Well, other than Dave Sim with the 300 issue run, there's not many books that have been done. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a little. Little bit here and there. Those um, Knights of the Dinner Table guys are up in like the two seventies. I don't know if it's yeah, been the same guy. That's so cheating, though. When you're using the same drawing over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> that's part. I love it. I could, I could I could do that many issues if it was just a, a two shots of my characters and then just rewriting the dialogue all the time because he's just like. I'm a terrible artist. This is what I'm doing. It's like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> I could never get away with that. I, I mean, I guess I did the fly story, but I couldn't I couldn't manage to do that for an extended period of time. My characters are too active. And then there's uh, Stan Sakai's done an awful lot of Sakiyo Jimbo. That is true. And then there's one more guy who I always blank on. How many how many issues of uh, Gru did Sergio and 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 Mark do? Less, I mean, less than I've done. Yeah, but most I mean, because t- Terry Moore's way behind you in terms of number of Strangers in Paradise. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, hundred ten or something. Yeah. Uh, oh God, why do I? I always blank on the other guy. I mean, there, there's certainly some. I mean, if we if we go outside the U.S., right there, there's like there's like the One Piece guy. I mean, there's definitely some manga. Oh yeah, yeah. There's but are those studios or for, for um, and years and years? Yeah, uh, and also I, they've got you know thirty assistants and right. yeah. their comics are coming out. You know they're doing twenty pages a week. Yeah, but it's, they got a whole gang of guys who are banging it out, and you know all sorts of different people working on it. So it's like that sort of thing. Sure, uh, Trimsy, you know, U.S. There's fewer of those. Well, Dave had uh, Gerhard. You're just you. I mean, it's just yeah. all been you. Yeah, I mean, Stan Sakai letters his own book, so he's mm. got he's got that ahead of me. <laughs> but he keeps starting over too. So, yeah, has to be an unbroken yeah, one. Therefore, you win. <laughs> yeah. I, I can. Well, I can at this rate, we got what about another six six years, and you'll you'll be past three hundred, right? So yeah, a few years. What I'm on. I mean, I seem to average about 10 issues a year, so right. I got, uh, what? You just did 235, you said, right? So Yeah. So 65 issues. Yeah, you got six and, a half, six and a half years you can come back on and celebrate through yeah. issue 301. Issue 300 is going to be a hardcover. It's going to be awesome. I can see it now. Nice. <laughs> He's yeah. like, yeah, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it would be it would be nice, but I, you know, I'm an older guy too. It's like, I, at what point do I just go? All right, forget it. <laughs> Hopefully, not. yeah. So, as someone who's been has been a, a, a creator for for as long as you have been, what what do um you do your wife and kids like? Are they into comics at all? Do they read them? Do they have not an interest in not nothing? Either, but yeah, 
That's got to be weird, huh? <laughs> it's all right. Whatever. I don't yeah. care. You know, it, it's kind of nice in a way because uh, I don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have somebody looking over my shoulders. I'm not <laughs> sitting there getting all self-conscious about doing this, that, or the other thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, you know, I can make it be this fucked up book that it is because nobody's paying attention. Yeah. Do, do you still get fired up? I mean, I know you don't buy a lot of like new art per se, but like, do you still get fired up by new creators, new comics? I mean, do you read, do you, do you read a lot of, of, of current stuff, whether it be, you know, the stuff that you guys are putting out an image or, or other stuff? Um, or do you not have the time? Uh, it, because I'm, uh, an image founder, I'm sent all the image books. So I get sure, literally sure. everything that we put out. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an awful lot of cool stuff to to look through and read, and then uh, I do go to the store and and buy stuff that that appeals to me, you know. And it, and it, I don't have a, a pull list, um, but I'll I'll just kind of go through and graze, and there'll be a period where I'll be like, oh, I think I'll read the Avengers, and I'll buy you know, whatever, 17 consecutive issues of the Avengers, and then they'll be like, all right, not so interested in this anymore. Moving on, you know, I <laughs> think I'll try this other book, you know, and I'll I'll read stuff for a while. I'll give it a bit, see how it goes. Um, I don't, there's nothing that I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this book is so great right mm-hmm. now. I totally love it. I'm, I'm not super hooked into anything at the moment that I'm, just head over heels about, but uh, you know, I think there's there's a lot of good stuff that's coming out from from here and there. Um, I wish we did more superhero stuff because I I love superhero stuff. <laughs> I just do. I mean, when when it's, it's talking about you know, hey, do you ever feel like doing something else at Image? And it's it's always. Yeah, but it's going to be another superhero. It's not going to be whatever. I mean, <laughs> Robert Kirkman and I were talking about doing a book together, and he had suggested some idea. I was like, yeah, that doesn't interest me. <laughs> 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 it's just, it's just not, not what I want to do. And it's like, all right. So speaking of Robert, the, uh, the secret history of comics I thought was pretty cool, um, especially the – one about you guys, um, like how much? How I'd love to know how much footage is on the cutter room floor. I mean, did they talk to I you guys no, for I, hours? I, and I, hours? Haven't, I, haven't, I haven't watched it. I don't but, watch myself. Do, I mean, but but they, I presume they filmed you for like was it hours and hours of interview or was it? Uh, it's probably, yeah, probably, probably, maybe an hour and a half over. Mm-hmm. It'll be like, I mean, there just depends on the on the the thing. I mean, uh, that one I think was a few hours at a comic store in town. Okay. Uh, yeah, because the show itself was was an hour show, so you figure what like forty eight minutes of footage. So, I, yeah. I just I would love to see all the stuff that didn't make it into the final cut. That'd be fun. Yeah, I I, I never see it. I never I never watch any of that stuff. I know when they were doing the. There was a couple different image things, and I never, never saw them. Well, there's a, I don't even know what they were called for crying out loud. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
that's how much I care. And that's why <laughs> I mean it's I'm I'm happy enough to, to do part of it and be there and uh and you know, I'm I'm happy enough with that, but it's kind of like chat. Yeah, it's weird. You, you you sound very zen about sort of like that 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 the nostalgia people have for like for you or your own uh, history, and it's it's I find that I I find the idea of nostalgia fascinating because clearly it's fair to say like you are nostalgic for other aspects of comics history, right? Hence your your love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, but but since you're living the part that you've lived yourself, yeah, we're nostalgic for it when you are. Gold Digger. I can never remember Gold Digger. Oh, right, Vince. Because I'm... Yeah, Gold Digger... It's not a book that that is carried in my local comic store. At least I don't see it. Maybe people get it in their subscription thing. Yeah, there's a lot that don't carry it. Fred's on issue 251. And he he did renumber, but then went back to legacy numbering. Right, right, yeah. So, but it's like whatever, you know. He's he's if you're, if, I'm sure if you're buying it digitally, it's all going to be sequential. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll say that counts. Yeah, I I I'm an avid follower. I I buy it, love it. I mean, Fred does great work, but that's another book where the continuity is so damn dense uh, that, you know, new readers are almost non-existent. Yeah, that's the, the the tough thing with doing a book and having it be the same creators forever. It's hard to, to get somebody new to try the book. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, a lot of stores, too. They're like, we know how to order this thing, and we order the amount that we order. And that it's not like they're they're – they're bumping up orders or cutting them from month to month. It stays super steady from month to month to month. Just because we, we kind of know what this is going to get. Yeah. So, are, so you a, yeah. are you a fan of the movies? Um, I, I go and see them. I'll, I'll, I'll watch them. Sure, what the hell? <laughs> you see Vince? Yeah, even, even Eric sees the movies. I know you're but stoked I, for I'm, Venom. I'm not sitting there going, oh, I really want to see a Savage Dragon movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you've always been very open about the fact that, that, that uh, and you said, you, you, you hinted at it earlier in the our chat, that, that you know, you, you really always just wanted to make your own comics and be able to tell your own stories. And that was like, you're kind of living your dream. Like, this is what you wanted to do and you've been able to do it. Um, yeah, but but I presume this was the goal. <laughs> yeah, was, but I guess but 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 since you brought, I mean, but I have to presume at least that you certainly are, have not been um, lacking in, in in people pitching you the idea of of Savage Dragon and other mediums, right? Because I mean, like well, I just cartoon, like, like with Ro- yeah, no, I know, but I'm saying like like with um, like uh, Netflix, obviously with what they're doing with uh, with some of Rob's stuff and and uh, and certainly some of the modern image guys, like you know, like Rick and and, and Deadly Classes coming out, like. I guess what I'm saying is like it's clearly never been more fertile if you wanted to go that avenue. Is it just that like you're so non nonplussed about it that they'd have to just bowl you over or <laughs> uh the, I would say the 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 right deal, the right thing hasn't hasn't come along yet. So yeah. that there's that. And and I and I don't need it. Sure. So because it's going to be a huge hassle, 
and, and I know that I, I know that at the end of the day I'm going to be sitting there going, "Well, this sucks." <laughs> right. Like, do I, how much of that do I want to be part of? Right. Just be sitting there going, "Hey, there's this thing out there, and it's not really my guy, but it's it's kind of there." Um, and it's going to be somewhat different from the comic, and sorry right. about that. Like you said, I guess each person has a different ability to handle that, right? Because, like, I would imagine, um, you know, like, certainly The Walking Dead TV show isn't the comic, but, I'm, I'm, you know, but but it, 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 like you have to sort of accept when you embark on that other medium, especially if someone else is going to be creating it, that you have yeah. to kind of have the, you have to have the, the, the acceptance of like I'm handing this off and it's going to be its own thing. Like I may be the father of it, but but I have to accept that it's not going to be what it would have been if I were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. it's an entirely different animal, right? And once you start dealing with this in any kind of other medium, suddenly you're, you're like, oh, oh, oh! I've got a character. He's jumping from here to there, and in a comic, I can have him say all kinds of shit when he's in midair. Mm-hmm. But when I make it into a cartoon, he can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, there's this reality of this other medium that you're you're not really you don't really have to deal with. You know, I'm drawing Captain America and he's and he's got this scale mail tunic, which transitions into being cloth for the top of his head somehow. But we never see the seam. We never see how it how it goes <laughs> from being one kind of material into being another kind of material. But if they're making a movie of it, they've got to make a decision of, okay, well, what is he actually wearing? What is that? You know, the Fantastic Four's costumes, are those tights? Are those coveralls? Yes. What, what are we looking at here? All of the above. You know? <laughs> and Because it, it's, it's completely undecided, all of that stuff. You know, Superman, mm-hmm. I always thought, well, I, I'm assuming those are tights. You know, these days, everybody is running around in a, in a, you know, rubber suit. But I don't think any of the characters really were sitting there going, time to put on my rubber suit. Spider-Man sure as hell wasn't sitting there sewing together a rubber suit on his own. Um and none of the Spider-Man movie costumes look anything like anybody could make practically on their own. Mm. You know, I, I think next time they make it, get a new Spider-Man thing, part of the thing was, okay, but you've got to make your own costume. <laughs> be like, all right, I guess we're doing with us. <laughs> I think they're... I I would think it would be nice to make a Spider-Man costume that looked like a teenager made it. And it would just, it seemed like it would be a lot creepier. You know, instead of, Mm. hey, it's this poured basketball looking thing. Everybody looks like they shopped at the same tailor. So Mm. other than Savage Dragon, is there anything left that you feel is you need to accomplish in the, within the, the boundaries of, of the comic industry? You've been publisher, I, you've been, you know, need? I don't, there's no need. There's, you know, there's, there's characters you go, oh, I grew up with reading this character. Boy, it should be nice to do a run on this book or that book. Whether, 
any of that will ever happen is doubtful at this point. But there's there certainly is pieces of stuff where you go, oh, I, I like this. And it would be it would be fun to play with this and be able to do that. But there's, there's there is no need in terms of that. Really, the, the the goal always was to do Savage Dragon as a as an ongoing book. And my thought going into this was, you know, if I ever do this as an ongoing book, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. And it's, it's, that's kind of what it's ended up being. You know? wow. This is the rest of my career right here. Here it goes. But we'll see, you know. It's just so refreshing to hear that, that you're just completely at peace with, with your creation. This is what you want to do. Well, this is it. Yeah. And this, the thing is, this is the same stuff that I was doing before I got into professional comics, too. It's like I did 55 issues prior to this book starting. You know, I did them as a kid. Nobody will ever see them, but I did a bunch of comics that that nobody will ever see. Because <laughs> they don't exist anymore. They're all burned up. Oh. So they're all gone. So I couldn't I can't reprint my, my old crappy deadly duo comics or my old dragon comics. But it's like, oh well, cleaned out the garage. <laughs> you are a unique <laughs> entity and, and we and we love you for it. <laughs> It's fun, you know. I've I've enjoyed myself the whole time, um, and I'm a I'm a guy who looks forward, not backward. So it's always about what's coming up, and it's never. I don't like to to play the nostalgia game. I I don't dwell on that. I don't get a charge out of oh boy. <coughs> Get all the image guys together at a convention. Well, won't that be cool? They say, like, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want to be a nostalgia act. I just want to be a guy who's who's creating something that's this living thing that continues to come out for for a long time. And I'm and I still look forward to okay. Well, what's the the next direction and the next generation? What's coming after this? And where is that going to go? Amazing. And speaking of the future, everyone listening to this should try out some Savage Dragon. Go to your local comic shop or wherever you get your books and, and tell them, get me an issue of Savage Dragon. And you can be with us and read it and love it. And because, Eric, as you've heard for the past two hours, there's not really a whole lot of creators like Eric out there. <laughs> he will surprise the hell out of you. He will. I don't know. If I, I don't know. If collectively our hearts could take it if there were too many creators out there like eric <laughs> comics would be awesome what are you kidding comics me? comics would be awesome they'd be oh, ridiculous I, I, I love it i i like when when guys are super into that i was i was real bummed when uh when invincible uh wrapped up i was just like man i'll just to, to keep on going i like yeah. this he stuck the landing though which i, I give him credit for yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah i was scared that la- I th- I'm like, okay, Kirkman's going to do what he does. There's going to be everybody's going to die. There's going to be heads rolling all over the place, and it was like anything but that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. All right. It's kind of weird though, because it's like, I mean, getting off on a 
it's there's spoilers in a way because because if if anybody's going to use those characters ever again it's like well you know invincible or you know invincible's not going to die because we saw that he got to be an old dude right you know that thing so anyway so he can always go back to it if he wants to yeah 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 well we got to give a, a big old bear hug to eric for being here with us this week well, thanks, guys. It was thanks. amazing. You can come back anytime you want. You know, we have an empty fourth chair. All if, right. If you'd like to, to... <laughs> it's comfortable too. It's it's fun for me too, and so uh, yeah, it really anytime. I'm, Sweet. I'm fine with that. Awesome. Thanks so much. It's uh, it's a treat. We've been looking forward to having you on for a long time. So it's great <laughs> to uh, finally right, do so. Well, well, thanks a lot, and I uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, we'll see you at a con. We'll see you at a con soon, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. All right, take care. All right, bye. Cool beans. Look at you. How was it for you? Was it? No, it was great. I mean, you hope for more? Well, it, it wasn't anything different than we've already experienced, you know, in his presence. In person, so, I, yeah, yeah, I thought it would. I thought it would pretty much be like this. I, I thought he would be a little more salty, but he's not. No. No. The the thing I'm most fascinated by, though, is he just has no interest in nostalgia. Like he doesn't want to. He doesn't. Like he has no interest in like, like he, you know, like he's not into the getting the gang together right. <laughs> image thing. He's not into the. He really doesn't seem to care much. Like if people come up and say, you know, creators say like that he was their inspiration. Like it's, it's not like yeah. He just wants to be part of the of the machine doing his stuff and doesn't really want to think about where he fits into the grander yep, yep. pantheon. He's he's probably makes about I would I would estimate four to six thousand dollars a month on on Dragon and you know on top of all the many I'm gonna guess millions that he made from Image back when they were the thing he probably doesn't doesn't need he doesn't care well he's he's I'm sure he, he owns his house and he probably. Doesn't need a whole lot, so right. But I mean, and those, any, those... any original art he wants, he can fucking trade by drawing something else, right? But those formative image years, he was probably making bank, like big. Yeah, bank. I was just yeah, gonna all... say. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, far be it for me to uh, speculate on on their net worths, but but we we know that they all made many many millions of dollars. I, what we don't know because it was a long time ago is whether that many, many millions was spent or right. whether it was invested wisely. I can just tell you, though, that, um, I mean, Jim Lee's his own guy because he went on to do other things, and I'm sure he makes a ton, um, you know, as as the one of the heads of DC and all that. But, but the way that Rob and Eric live, now I can't speak as much on Sylvester or Valentino, those guys, because they're, at least to my mind, less in the limelight. They they clearly did well for themselves, right? Whether whether just again where that means that they just took what they made there and, and were smart with the money and put it in the market and had a good advisor and it just made them money because you know you professional athletes aside who just find a way to spend tens of millions of dollars and make it go up and spoke, you know if you if you are ever fortunate enough to make that kind of of money even for a few years and you're smart about it and you live a reasonable life, which it seems like Eric has always done, you know he's not buying Bentleys and and you know homes all over the world. It can, you know, the money you put it, you put it to work, and it can, it can support you for the rest of your life. So, sounds like that's probably what he's doing. Yep. 
you know, which is great, man. How awesome is like how awesome is that that he's he's been able to just make the comic he wants to make with literally no other pressures about paying bills, about how much it sells, about whether people love it or hate it. Like he just can do his own thing. Isn't that like the the true dream of anybody yeah. with their vocation? That's why he wants nothing else. Because yeah. he, he already has it. He There's do- a purity to his perspective that I, I really do admire. Um, and I don't think I would share it. That's not the way I'm wired. But but that where he really is like, fuck it, man. I, I always wanted to just make my own comics. I got a chance to start doing that. Why would I ever want more? Like that is, there's a beauty to that. You know, and, and I, I saw um, in anticipation of him coming on, I, I, I watched a video interview he did a few years ago. Um where he spoke a lot about the, the you know the image the, the image founding and all that and, um, you know and he he was very candid he is a very candid person he was very candid about how one of the reasons that um, you know it, it went the way it did in terms of breaking up was just that everybody had at some point even though they were all unified at the start of the thing it just you know over time just like a, a relationship they all started wanting different things you know. Um, Rob and Jim wanted to to go back and get the glory of 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 saving Marvel, you know, and 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 um, Todd wanted to by his he he mentioned him, but not by name in this, but wanted to be like you know like Kane and just have a bunch of people, you know, create his character, work on his characters in perpetuity, and have the character live beyond him, and um, you know, other guys wanted to to have their stuff turned into movies and uh, and TV shows, and just so I appreciate that. For him, it was always just about the drawing board. Yep. Well, not was, is, is just about the drawing board. Yeah. It's true. It's pretty awesome. And you know where you can see the results of all that drawing? Where? Discount Comic Book Service. Because oh, they, snap. you betcha, they have all them books that Eric's makes uh, for a fraction of the retail price. You can get it at a huge discount. Uh, the list of specials, like I said before, is up. Remember, from IDW, you can get Transformers Unicron, number one of six, for $2.49, 50% off. DC is giving you another round of Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, two, drawn by the incomparable Freddie Williams, two. This is $12.49, again, half off, and... My heart skipped a beat when I saw this cover because it is all kind of awesome. It is from Marvel, Cosmic Ghost Rider, number one by Donny Cates and Dylan Burnett. $1.99. Oh, my goodness. You need it. You do. You do. I do. Yes. And in your travels, I want you to read the free comic book day from IDW, Transformers Unicron. You guys read it? Not yet. Nope. I haven't got my free comic books yet. It's amazing. It, there are things in this comic. Do I have it right here? I don't. I moved it. But mm. um, you know how they're they're um, consolidating the the Hasbro universe. Like there are links to GI Joe. Yeah, to, they're trying to make it a shared universe. Yeah. yeah. Um, in Transformers history, Shockwave does something in order to to seed a bunch of planets and make them produce energon he takes the ore from the 13 primes 
of which Primus and Unicron were members. So he, he takes all this, these, this ore and he seeds it throughout the galaxy on these planets. One of the planets that is seeded with this ore is the IDW version of Galador. So Rom's armor is made from the ore from one of the primes in the Transformer universe. That does things to my nether regions that I don't even want to talk about. Do you, do you not find that compelling? That there's a link from Rom to the Transformers? That is, it's... Mm, I understand. I don't see how it's done. It's, it's, it's mentioned in offhand. It, I don't even think it's in the comic. It's in the text in the back. See, I like but, the slickness of it. I, I would have to see it. I, I, I need to see the execution. I, no, I, no, it is in the comics because they, they're saying when the when the the when the, the the armor was forged, they used this mystical ore from the the planet. I, they they renamed it. It's not Galador anymore, and it's not the Space Knights. It's the Soul Star Order. They there were things that they had to change from the Marvel version that Marvel still owned, like. Um, but the, the setup is cool. This is the first time any of the Transformers have seen Unicron. So I don't know if, if you're thinking Dreamwave or Marvel, Unicron is a new thing and they are all freaking out. But on top of it, the Transformers continuity at IDW is coming to an end. That's what this miniseries is doing. Um, it's six issues. They're taking Optimus Prime. It's done with issue 25. Lost Light will be finished. So all these storylines are going to dovetail into this Transformers Unicron. And then kablooey, something's going to happen. And they're going to reboot the Transformers continuity. So I've been away for a while. And I deliberate it. I'm thinking, all right, you know, this is going to get expensive. Because this whole storyline is is 16 parts. But I shuffled a little bit of the deck chairs in my monthly order and I said, all right, I want to read this because I read this, this this free comic book day thing and it was just – it was amazing. I loved it. Would it be amazing for someone who isn't more steeped in the 10-year continuity? Yes. You don't – there are – if you desire to learn – where all this stuff is coming from, you can because there's two pages in the back mm-hmm. that they, they lay it all out for you in text and image. Okay, because but the I very think the last no, I know the last I read was all the all like the all hail no, not the all hail Megatron. Um, God, what's I should know what's the name of the uh, a couple years ago we read a bunch of it. Um, Transformers versus GI Joe. No, 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 no. It was Transformers. Um, God. I have like four volumes of the trade sitting downstairs. Um, oh, you're killing me. What, like, what oh, was more the, than more than meets the eye? Yeah, exactly. And robots in disguise. Yeah, but that's part of the continuity. And you have the very first line of the text piece in the back says, "You don't need to know anything that has come before in order to enjoy what you're about to read." But mm-hmm. if you do, here's where all this stuff came from. And I, I loved it. It was so good. I read it like three times. And, um, you know, Unicron has always been a favorite of mine just because it's, it's the, the Galactus of the Transformers universe. Like he eats worlds. He consumes worlds. And, 
Um, it's uh, robots in space, uh, transformers. They just do something to me. It's uh, been away for a while, but like I said, I'm I'm back on. So I think you should read it. If you didn't get to a, a comic shop on Free Comic Book Day, you know maybe they still have some left. You know, try and get it, but I'm sure you can get this digitally wherever the digital comics are available. It's probably free. Mm-hmm. So so read it. Transformers Unicron number zero or whatever free comic book day it's it's phenomenal i uh i probably will read it you kind of i mean it's you sound pained over that decision, no but. it's because it's not it, it's i've it, you're right it's been a, it's been a while since i've 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 read and enjoyed Transformers, and and part of that is because uh, there's a lot of baggage I I bring to it, and and it's not necessarily um, I'm not judging it based on what's on the page. So Rama's in it. Rama's in it. Now I I would admit that scares me though, because I I have not been a fan of the Hasbro combined universe. I found it very forced. Really, this seems natural to me that Ram that Space Knight's armor is is forged out of a the the ore from a prime. Oh, that's cool. It makes sense. I'm definitely down for reading it too. I I love historical moments in comics, whether it be starts of of new universes or ends, and so sixteen issues. I'll I'll certainly yeah. I'll say that I'll give it a try. I, again, I I can't commit to doing all sixteen issues if if it, if the first few don't pull me in, but I I'm certainly going to give it a college yeah, try. But the main miniseries is only six issues, and and I thought. Okay, they've been using Windblade a lot in the recent continuity, and I thought, okay, it's gonna be more of the same, but it's not. The female component is RC, and she's badass. It's just the the it it went totally against preconceived notions for me, which is another reason why I like it. Mm-hmm. Prime is scared; he should be. Has there ever been a female Prime? I'm probably going to get bitch slapped by those who know, but nothing immediately screams to mind. Yeah, I mean, I would think even even if they ever attempted to, that I'd remember headlines or people discussing it. But um, God, I loved that movie, dude. The first movie. Yeah, but Unicron you doesn't like really it? kill. No, Unicron. I like it. Yeah, but Unicron is like this. Oh my God, it's Unicron. He really doesn't kill that many people. No, it, it's it's more the Decepticons. Yep. And they they say that too, in the in the back of this issue they get into that, but just I'm going to shut up now. It's free. You it, this is a book that will cost you zero. So if if you have it or if you can get it, it's not going to cost you a whole lot, and you can make an immediate decision whether or not you want to continue. No risk. I sound like. A late yeah. night infomercial, but I, and for those wondering, because we always talk about discount comic book service, and they're not a physical store. Well, they are, but but for most of you, they're not. Uh, the way it works is it's pretty cool. Basically, based on how much you order over the course of the year, you get a certain number of books, and it's all on the site. So, uh, like when you log in for that month, they tell you that you are eligible for X number of books, and you just uh, tell them which ones you want. So. Yep. It's pretty neat. Did you actually go to Free Comic Book Day this year? 
No, it's the first time I think in five years we didn't. Um, we were we had, we had sports plans, unfortunately, mm. but I did, and I, and I have to say, comics on the green. Yeah, comics on the green. The offerings this year, maybe it was just me in my mood, but not good. Usually, 2000 AD puts out a killer free comic book day issue. Like that's mm-hmm. one that I look forward to every year. Yep, I always get it. This year, it is abominable it's oh. terrible oh really they, yeah they do this so you're saying i wasted one of my, my yes picks. no you did you definitely wasted it but that right. you, you it's it's totally anomalous because all the other ones have been good they tried this they call it regened r-e-g-e-n-e-d where they take pre-existing mm-hmm. characters and they i don't want to say kidify them but they they tweenify it where it's like mm-hmm. a cadet it's not dread it's a cadet and it's just I I didn't like the art, I didn't like the storytelling. I just thought it was it was lousy, just bad. Speaking of British comics though. What um that? happy birthday to Mr. Mark Lamming. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, also happy birthday to uh to iFanboy Ron, Ron Richards. Well, not I guess I he's Marvel. Anymore. I guess he's I guess he's Marvel Ron now, but Yeah. Ron Burgundy. Both former guests of the show. <laughs> it's the pleats. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm done. Take it away. I'm done. Uh, in your travels, um, this is the first issue of a four-issue limited series. Uh, it is Aliens Dust to Dust. And the story is brought to you by Mr. Gabriel Hardman. He uh, wrote it and drew it. Uh, and it is the story of... It, it's... You basically... You hit the ground running. We we um, we pretty much get... Uh, we're introduced to, to Max and a, a young child who uh, seems to have been startled awake. And there's... Um, a little bit of chaos in the streets below. He's going to, and something crashes through the window. So he goes to run for his mother. And this is a bit of a surprise. And he's not familiar with what's going on. Uh, but as readers of previous aliens comics and viewers of the franchise, we know a face hugger when we see one, and that is what's hugging mom's face. Um, and she, yeah, it's the first issue is mom and Maxon leaving the apartment, making their way to the transport so they can get away from the city and preferably off planet. Uh, so the Marines are evacuating the city, pulling everybody out. They get to the, um, you, you, uh, there's a little bit of uh, slight spoilers. There's, there's a bit of a, um, Ripley vibe going on as far as, uh, from the dream over from aliens cubed where the, uh, the queen is, or one of the, one of the aliens, one of the xenomorphs is about to, get real up close and personal to Ripley 
and realizes that um, she ate. <laughs> Ripley may have something else going on, and and Xenomorph backs mm-hmm. off and and goes away. So um, that kind of happens here. With and again, if there's really nothing surprising as far as the story, what's the draw for me is well, one to see Gary Harbin draw some goddamn aliens, but. Um, I like the idea that since I am familiar with the source material, um, you, there, there's, there's nothing to, to, you don't need to, there's no recap page. There's nothing to bog you down with to get you up to speed. You this is, this is the world we live in and, and, and this is, these are things that happen. Uh, so this first issue is basically just mom and son beating feet to to get away and uh there's it's it's pretty fast paced there's just a lot of action going on it's it's incredibly well illustrated i um the uh the colors are by i believe yes uh rain burrito and he does a um it, it i like gabriel's black and white work I, I i like the shadowy aspect of it but here even though it's an alien story uh the colors work really really well and and i know that jordan boys usually colors um gabriel's work but here i i like the the atmosphere um we're getting i like the vibe and 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 it looks really good and and gabriel's line work is is really coming through strong it it, it, it shines um but the like i said they're, they're making their way to the transport um and then the uh, the last page um, kind of really hammers things home. It's to be continued. It's a hell of a cliffhanger, uh, just based on how Mom and Maxon's day moving right along. But it's a uh, it's a really really good first issue. I, I I was hooked pretty much for the first page and could not. Uh, put it down. It, it was every. I had to see what was coming on the next page. It's it's this is one of my uh, more excitable in your travels. I I, I really really nice. do like this. I, I think uh, I can't. It, it's the Stoko alien story was was cool. It was it was a little different in the sense that it was more of the because it was in space and, and, and it was quiet and deliberate. Um, it definitely gave you that, that in space, no one can hear you scream kind of vibe. This is, this is a little bit more. Um, and so, so therefore that could be, uh, I'd liken Stoko to, to the original alien movie. Whereas this kind of has a little bit of a James Cameron feel, uh, just nice. not without the, without the, the misogyny, but it, it's very, um, <laughs> Uh, there's just, it's, yeah, it's, this is, this, you, you could actually, and I don't want to get into the whole thing about Gabriel and storyboards, but th- you could actually see this being a movie. And, and right. I like that. It's, uh, it's, it just, it, it really is a, it's a science fiction story. And, and that's not, you could probably apply this to any other sort of alien ish science fiction story but the fact that it's 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 based in the aliens history it it's um makes it a little bit extra special for me it's it's uh i 
if if you read the Promethean, the Fire and Stone stuff, and and you thought that that was maybe just a little bit heavy, or uh, there was an ulterior motive, this this kind of brings you back to the the aliens and uh, and reminds you how action packed those the, those stories can be. So I dig it. Definitely check it out. Nice. Um, before I do your travels, I want to thank the EOC community because you all heeded my plea and played your part in making Domino Number One a top ten book, which I never thought was going to be possible. Oh boy! Uh, what? You uh, praised the book. Now you're now you're fronting on it. No, I'm not saying you. I'm not saying anything other than the fact that you claim it's the EOC community that. <laughs> elevated the no, I book. said thank them for helping play a part in it. Okay. Did you see that issue two it came did. out today? Oh, I'm getting to that. But <laughs> the first issue, according to Gail Simone, sold over 80,000 copies. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I only bought 10,000 of them. So, um, but no, seriously. Uh, and as Vince noted, uh, issue number two came out tonight. It's not made in your travels, uh, but you should freaking read it because it's awesome. Um, cover's nice too. It, eh. It's not bad. Um, Come on, it's pretty bad. But uh, anyway, um, everything else about the book is awesome, though. Uh, also, shout out while we're shouting out uh, this week's comics. Shout out to uh, two creators that we are big fans of, uh, Mr. Ryan Stegman and Mr. Donny Cates, who powered to, up together to come up with uh, Venom number one today. Mm-hmm. And I won't front; I am not a huge Venom fan. Um, so I, I only read this book purely out of the fact that it was these two guys doing the book. And I know Ryan's been super excited about it. Um, so I, I wouldn't have been at all surprised if I just read it and never mentioned it. Cause again, it's not a character, like it's a must read for me, but damned if it wasn't really, really good. It was a lot of fun. And um, not that his, his head isn't already too big to fit through the door. He doesn't need an ego boost. But dare I say, Ryan has never looked better. I think he 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 looked fantastic in this issue. So shout out to those guys. So check yeah. that out too. Did, I did think you you're at, right. Did you check it out. Yes. Yep. I think, I think you're yeah. Right. No, I can't front. I can't front. Like I said, he doesn't he doesn't need the boost, but uh, it looks great, Ryan. Um, but my in your travels um, is is another Marvel book, and that is Mighty Thor, which wrapped up with issue 706 uh what a couple weeks ago three four weeks ago and yeah and then we're 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 getting a one shot um i think yeah next week uh and then the start of the new del mundo aaron thor book which is back to uh odinson as thor um I don't know how to say what I got to say without a little spoiler, but I don't think it's much of a spoiler. I mean, if you're at all familiar with this run, you know that Mighty Thor is Jane Foster and that Jane Foster is dying of cancer. And uh, she's dying of cancer because every time she goes in for treatment, for chemo, uh, when she grabs Mjolnir and becomes Thor, it purges her body of the chemicals from the chemo because that's a foreign substance. But unfortunately, cancer is a naturally occurring thing, so it doesn't it doesn't cure her of the cancer. So every time she becomes Jane again, she's that much closer to dying because the chemo didn't do what it was supposed to do. Um, and this continues to happen. 
she gets to a point where she's essentially told by her doctors, including Doctor Strange, which is pretty cool, that uh, like you got to stop if if you if you you're basically playing if you. They say to her, if you chance becoming Thor again, it's likely going to be too late. We won't be able to cure you. Um, and meanwhile, um, in Asgardia, our old friend and uh, fairly common Thor, uh, Norse god foe, Mangog, is back. And Mangog is beating the holy shit out of the Asgardians. And um, Jane knows what she's doing, but she opts to to grab the hammer uh, to help. And, uh, you know, Jason does an amazing job of not only handling uh, Jane's passing, but also the, the postscripts of, of Odin has words with her. Uh, Odinson has words with her. Um, Freya has words. There's a great moment between Loki and Freya. Um, it's just so well done. It's just I, I, every every page made me smile. I got a little verklempt, even though I knew what was coming. Um, and I don't know that the dude gets the props he deserves, but freaking Russell Dalderman is an absolute art beast. Mm-hmm. The dude is ridiculous, and I know for most people, Thor's the only thing they know him from. But he is, he, I presume, is going to be able to write his ticket and do whatever the hell he wants to do next. Um, I don't know that it's been announced what he's doing, but, uh, but wow, is this, is this guy a phenomenal illustrator? Um, so huge thumbs up. And, and I know people love to jump onto a new number one, and I'm sure many of you will be trying out the Del Mundo Aaron Thor. But if for some reason you, you weren't reading Mighty Thor, by God's, do yourself a favor and pick up the collected edition. Um, it's 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 a fantastic run. I mean, it's a Aaron's Thor run is 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 one for the ages from start to finish. Um, well, it's not finished, but but so far it's it's been absolutely phenomenal uh, in all aspects. So you're right. It's Redonk. Yes. <laughs> all right, people. Hey. Big, big, big thanks to Eric Larson for sitting with us for a spell. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more, come back next week because we will be here waiting for you. In the meantime, check out our Facebook page, 11 O'Clock Comics. Having a lot of fun there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Twitter, we're on there. I am there a lot more than Jason oh, and or David. Time. All the time. Yes. 24-7. Really? Oh, you and know where we also are? Where are we? Uh, we are also on Threadless, and I want everybody to know that until May 14th at 10 a.m. Uh, Central Time, if you use the code FREESHIP, all one word, F-R-E-E-S-H-I-P-418, uh, you will get free shipping um, on any orders, uh, minimum a $45 US, $80 international, but free shipping applies uh, until uh, May 14th. So you can stock up on those shirts. Tell you what. What? I'm going to make a new shirt just for this. Nice. Do it. But I have to get it up before, like when? Before the weekend. Before, I mean, it's, it's. The, the the code ends on the 14th. We don't have any control over that. So if you want this T-shirt to be available, 
uh, and not that the shirt itself will be $45, but if, if you want this to be included in someone's free shipping shopping spree, okay, uh, then that shirt needs to be up there before the, uh, before the weekend. You got a template? Do they, do they have a template? Yes. All right. I'll make one for Sunday night. Okay. okay. You heard it here, folks. I mean, not people on iTunes didn't hear it, but yes, everybody else heard it here. And uh, Oh, yeah. And on the iTunes front, I know it's a little bit of a tail wagging the dog since you probably wouldn't be listening to this if you had the <laughs> issue. But but there is a maddening situation going on right now where um, our episodes are, for some reason, posting with a date of like one one two thousand, And as a result, uh, you're not seeing them as posted on your app, likely the way you have it configured. So you have to go in and manually search for the the episodes or go to the iTunes page for our show to find it. And a lot of you are doing that, but frankly, a lot of you are not doing that and either probably wondering if we just stop publishing episodes or don't know what the deal is. Now, we've been told uh, this week that the fix is delete the podcast app and reinstall it on your phone and the issue goes away. It's not just us that this is happening to. Um but again, if you're listening to this, you probably aren't having the issue. So to whatever extent you have friends that aren't part of the Facebook group or or um, or whatever uh, and are wondering, hey, what the hell's going on with EOC? Just let them know that uh, we haven't missed a week. And you can, again, if, you're, if you insist on using the podcast app, delete the app and reinstall it and it should fix any issues you're having with shows. But it doesn't update the show on my MacBook in my iTunes. It's because not it's iTunes. It's the, right. It's the same thing. You got to yeah, delete it's, iTunes. It's all, and, yeah. it's all Mac related. And I got to delete iTunes. I don't know if we can. I well, that will I fix it. Tried. That will fix it. It's a question of whether you want to go through that process. I don't use it anyway. But I mean, I just use it to monitor when the new episode. Listen, comes I mean, like, you will listen. I'm speaking to the choir. This is super maddening because for better or for worse, iTunes is still the, default uh, way people listen to podcasts for like 60-70% of the Right, I know, the, I know. So, nothing we can do. We All we can do is spread the word that that uh, there are fixes and we're still here doing our thing. Yes. And uh, while you're at it, check out our Patreon page. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash 11OC no apostrophe comics and uh, revel in the joy that uh, abounds on, on the Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Yep. The uh, featured uh, cover of the day is currently Amazing Heroes. We're doing seven days of Amazing Heroes, after which you're going to get seven days of Back Issue. Oh, nice. I was going to say Comics Journal, but okay. No, themed. It's a theme thing. So um, just come join us in whatever we do, because there's lots of room for you, and uh, we love you so much. In the meantime, what? Yes, in the meantime. In the meantime, you have until you have four days. Uh I believe I said Monday. Um May fourteenth. So that so while you are buying the Vince Design shirt, you can also head over to that same Patreon website and vote for May's Book of the Month. And your choices this month are the Damned, Volume 1, Three Days Dead, DuckTales, Treasure Trove, Give Me Liberty, The Killer, The Mask Omnibus, Volume 1, <laughs> Metropol, 
Why, why was that juggle there? Here, read 300 pages. <laughs> oh, please. It's the mask. It's the monkey old artwork. It's, it, there's like four panels on a page. <laughs> Metropol, Nexus Executioner Song, The Savage Sword of Conan, Volume 1, because that's not wordy. Scout, Volume 1, Sleeper, Volume 1, and The Spire. So get in there, get your vote on, and... Um, Tell us what non-Big 2 book you want us to read at the end of the month. Yeah. I haven't read many of these in a long time. so Same Zs. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Say goodnight. Unicron. David. <laughs> Good night. That's Dave. pretty that's pretty kicking. Pretty kicking. Yeah. Take us out, drummer man. We just wrote it. Damn. <laughs> that's me. Peace. Say bye. You have to be the last voice. Oh, goodbye. So long. Back on Dios.